James Bond's 20th adventure, Ang Lee sets sail with the tiger, and the McAllisters lose Kevin again. This week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a rip-roaring journey across three decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago from this very week. And this very week is November 18th to the 24th, probably Thanksgiving in a couple of decades. From this window, we'll be looking at what came out, movies, TV, video games, music, and more from 1992 2002 and 2012 in the window of November 18th to the 24th. Uh, hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Host is with me. I'm Diana Goodman, and we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, <laughs> and you shouldn't go to Plymouth Rock because it's a really disappointing tourist destination. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and I am master of my domain. Hey, I understood Ooh. that reference. Uh, the castle. <laughs> it's, it's a really fun week for releases because... Holy God, they're all notable and in not for kind of forgotten. I feel like we'll be bringing up a couple things people forgot were cool. Can't wait to talk about that. I can't wait to talk about that, especially talking about this James Bond movie this close to Skyfall. Hilarious. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. This, it, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Cannot wait. Because, uh, but you know, uh, and once again, we got to thank our patrons: Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime. Give us five bucks, we'll give you a bonus show for good reasons. We have a bonus show for this very episode. The we. The Wii U launches in 2012, 10 years ago, and JR might have one of the biggest launches before I, or after it. I do not know a system which launches with as many games right. as the Wii U. And we just thought that would take up far too much time of the 302010 show. Yes. So, we, listeners, bonus episode all about the Wii U. Yeah. Uh, really good finish up elm street nightmare with the chucky stuff uh last unicorns coming sick of star wars patreon.com slash laser time thank you to patrons like chris parker and our many other fine executive producers at patreon.com slash laser time i love shitting on the wii u and i'm sorry to pay wallet from you because <laughs> it does go long basically another segment of the show that thankfully diana does not have to endure um, anyway let's move on to what uh as we always do beginning in 1992 november 18th to the 24th I saw a bunch of really fun news, including Queen Elizabeth of Windsor's castle catching on fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. This this was bad because uh, it turns out you can't really insure a castle that a monarch <laughs> lives in because ah. its contents are priceless. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the fire started in a private chapel where a spotlight ignited a curtain next to an altar. And if this was a movie, you'd be going like, sure, Satan. Sure, Satan. <laughs> yeah. A spotlight. In the what was she streaming? Like, this is 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, but the fire spread uh, to St. George's Hall. Uh, at its height, there were 225 different firemen from seven counties battling the blaze wow. using 36 pumps, discharging one and a half million gallons of water this was a big thing well wow. yeah it went on for a while because this is an old building that's been added to and added to and added to and it's like not up to it's not up to code wow. so uh yeah fire went for like 12 13 hours 13 hours oh my yeah, god burn, 
uh, a big old chunk of the of the castle and um then this ended up changing the monarchy in some ways because people are like why do we got to pay for ah. something that yeah. we don't get to see mm. and they're like how about we start charging admission and you can go see it mm. how about the queen pay voluntary income tax i'm not i'm not sure if you saw john oliver's piece this week but it is all about I the monarchy did. and I was pretty shocked by how that the kind of stipend they get just for being celebrities. Yep. <laughs> Anywho, pretty much. Pretty not yeah. not my problem. By, America's got bigger problems. Yeah, by the end of the year, Queen Elizabeth will call this her Ennis Horribilis because me. things are going to get even worse. Okay. Arguably. And uh, also in the news this week, Oregon Senator Bob Packwood, uh, his sexual harassment scandal breaks. Oh, uh, fun times. Yeah, this is like. I, I was aware of Clarence Thomas and uh, the uh, uh, hearing on his sexual harassment. But for me, this is the first memory of any politician having a sexual harassment. And he had to resign, yo. Well, I'm like Clarence Thomas, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was from Oregon at the time. So this was big, big news that an Oregon politician is famous and even appears on Saturday Night Live. Wow. And yeah, here's Phil Hartman as Senator Packwood. ...hearing on health care for migrant workers. I was called to the floor for a vote on suspending most favored nation status to China. On the way, I found myself alone in an elevator with an attractive and shapely Senate page. <laughs> I rubbed up against her and then shoved my tongue down her throat. <laughs> it's... God, Phil Hartman's brilliant. Jesus, because that's all the sketch is, is him repeatedly saying that. The thing about Senator Packwood was he was a diarist. This was like his big oh. hobby. He oh, like no. wrote down like Captain's love. volume after volume after volume. He, it was just one of these guys. That's That's his decompression thing. And so there was a huge thing of can we uh, demand this man's diary? In the end, the Senate Ethics Committee requested 5,000 wow. pages of his diary. <laughs> Boring. Oh. Boring. Oh, uh, and, and then we have a bunch of fun technology news that happened 30 years ago. I'll show you how far we've come. One of the things I, I meant to look into more, uh, President Bush has just signed a bill that turns software piracy from a misdemeanor to a felony because... There he the olds in uh, who are in charge of making laws don't know what software is. I'm going to guess, and there really is not much copyright protection. You can get most programs, most discs, uh, and copy them what and give them to anyone. What are you talking about, Chris? The secret of Monkey Island I know. has a wheel in which you turn a pirate's face, and if you don't have the <laughs> wheel, you can't access. That was. It. If much Diana more doesn't protection from piracy, if, do you need? If Diana doesn't <laughs> know about that, that was part of the way they combated piracy. I remember we got Sim City, and it came with this code in this book and that's how you had to like log in to authenticate your game if you didn't have that thing that came in the box even though somebody should have scanned it and put it online <laughs> and same with monkey island <laughs> what do you mean online i know what's online online? it's prodigy you know uh <laughs> and uh, also this week this is the official launch of the sony mini disc uh, a Ooh. pretty great piece of technology that didn't catch on because i don't think people were ready to buy albums again given how new CDs are, but uh, a smaller, oh. it was just a smaller indestructible they, CD. They didn't catch on in the U S they caught on everywhere else. Mm. 
See, which is, I, they have them in they, Europe and Japan. They're great because they're a tiny little CD. Yep. And they have their eventually there were recordable ones. You yeah. could make a mixtape that is, you know, they're I like, don't know, they look, they're the kind four of like inches square. Tiny floppy disks. Yeah. <clears throat> they don't skip as much, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Because I remember I like know. jogging with my CD player. Oh god. And it being like impossible. Ka-chunk, 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 I, I remember impossible. having to like yeah. take my CDs and turn them into tapes just to go outside and like mow the lawn. Same, with them yeah. on the Walkman because it yeah. was impossible. So it was something we wanted. It was just pretty expensive and it didn't really catch on. And I, I thought this is cool, but in con- the, the 10 millionth cellular telephone is sold this week, 30 Ooh. years ago. Yeah. Seems like a big number. If you put it into context, the iPhone has been out for what, over 10, 07? 2.2 billion iPhones have been sold. <laughs> iPhones alone, <laughs> not counting Galaxy, Samsung Galaxies and all that stuff. Like, so. That number isn't that impressive considering like everybody has one now. But that's why when they appeared in movies, it yeah. was like, okay, this guy's a rich guy. He is one of the, out of the 5 billion people on the planet in 1992, yes. he is one of the 10 million who owns a cell this phone. This guy so is important. a busy executive ignoring his family and an amnesiac Peter Pan. That's <laughs> instantly what cell phones signify to me at this in this era. But uh, yeah, I definitely didn't have one or know anybody who did uh, 30 Mm-mm. years ago. Not at all. Car phones, I would see, but not not cell phones. Not not your Zach Morris uh, brick phones. And then mm-hmm. let's get into the movies of 1992 because they are all bangers, <laughs> all amazing. And I love that. I mean, the number one movie, and it's like everyone knew this was going to be number one. They right. got out of the way, except for grown ass films for grown ups. Right, and and one yeah. of which is. Um, a gross-ass film for gross people because <laughs> it's Abel Ferrara. <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, Abel yeah. Ferrara, who is admitted to being wildly on drugs while writing and making this movie because he thought it was important. It is, it is, the movie That's is... bullshit t- excuse. Totally. I, I'm not a drug addict. I just thought making a movie about drugs, I needed to be on drugs. Yes, so we have we have Zoe Lund, Bianca Hunter, Eddie Daniels, Paul uh, Calderon, uh, Victor Argo, and... Motherfucking Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant, the NC-17 rated movie from Abel Ferrara. I only encourage you, Conan O'Brien is a very nice guy, and every time someone asks him, who is your worst guest, he's like, I'm kind of waiting for certain people to die before I say that, but I'll just say Abel Ferrara. Around the time, and you can find it on YouTube, he is fucked up and belligerent and just... Just an awful, awful guest. <laughs> and I think wow, he's promoting this I movie. See that clip, I think he's promoting this movie. And this movie, I I love it, but it it's kinda it's pretty terrible. It, yeah. <laughs> Baby JR rented this film because it was going around, oh my gosh, there's an X-rated film that you can find at your local video store called Bad Lieutenant. And this was not what Baby JR was expecting. You know, this, a lot of this just went over my 14-year-old head. Like, I did not understand heroin. It wasn't really a thing I was conscious of. And, you know, I was not expecting Harvey Keitel's dong. You know that so, that was not. That's no. the that's the. the re- I feel like we're in the era of Harvey Keitel's dong now. He's the only guy who does full frontal, and you kind of he like, looks well, and he looks so great. He looks so good in that shot, but he's he's like. Uh, like this Harvey Keitel does the most acting I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if it's great. It is the most. (laughs) It is good acting to a 14 year old boy. It is not a sight my eyes wanted to see because it is a man in the pit 
of despair, wallowing in his own misery while being high with hookers and like regretting every decision that has led him to this point so in life. That's that's yeah. the that's and- the, the thing about this movie that I think is kind of stupid. Now that I've known people, I've known addicts, I've known uh, gambling addicts, I've, I've known people who are in a spiral. This guy is a cop who's corrupt, beats up people, steals evidence, steals money, fucks hookers, smokes crack, does heroin, gambles. Sexually assaults some girls. Sexually assaults girls. It's like, it's, if you think about it for one second, like you cannot be all these things. You will, (laughs) in a week you will be caught. You'll be dead. It's, it's impossible to do all these things. Okay. That's an interpretation of this film though mm-hmm. is that harvey keitel's character you know there's an old thing trying to commit suicide by cop yeah harvey keitel is trying to commit suicide by being a bad cop yeah he is doing everything a bad cop can do that would lead him to being killed and he gets killed at the very end mm-hmm. in a way he knows he's going to get killed yep he's got the money He's one. He could give his gambling uh, loan shark people. Here's the $30,000 I got. The only time he does the right thing is to yet again make things worse for himself. Yeah. That's the only time he does the right thing at the end of the movie. The only time he does the right thing is when it's the path that leads him to his death, which makes me think that this is on some level his suicide. This is a man Mm -hmm. committing suicide. And 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 yeah. One one of the things April Ferrara said he, he intended okay. this to be a comedy, but Harvey <laughs> Keitel just kind of it, it was supposed to be Christopher Walken until the last minute. Oh, and uh, and yeah, they got Harvey Keitel in the, the very last minute. And I've seen this so many times, but because of the show, I am absolutely shocked. I thought this was from way earlier. This film looks like it's from the 70s it feels mm-hmm. 10 to 20 years older than reservoir dogs which came out earlier i would have mm-hmm. thought the exact opposite and i was happy to learn it's because they had no permits they did uh, not oh, no setting yeah. up any sh- it feels like mean streets because that's the way they're shooting it no they dollies for you following in the grime of new york mm-hmm. at its near height like yeah the the crime rate i think is literally going to peak in new york city next year and so they're really wallowing in all of that. But there's a lot of memorable scenes in this. I mean, uh, show me JR, how you suck a guy's cock. You. Show me with your yeah. mouth. <laughs> young JR did not need to see that sexual assault scene. That, no, that lasted nope. in my brain for decades after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, wait, which one? The one with the teenagers or the one with the, the ones nun? with the teenagers? The teenagers. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, is Abel Ferrar's fucking babysitter. That's <laughs> what a psycho. <laughs> Good Lord. It is so funny though, to co- compare and contrast this with the not sequel, not follow up bad Lieutenant Porter called new Orleans, which totally plays as a comedy, which maybe is even better. Yes. It is fucking amazing. And it be better. Like, cause this is just so grimy and gross that it's like so over the top grimy and gross. Like they're trying so hard to be grimy and gross that sometimes it, you start nervously laughing. Yeah. Whereas Porter called new Orleans, like, no, they're trying to make you laugh. And, and it's Nick Cage, yeah. d- once again, doing the most acting. Doing the most acting, where he's like cutting <laughs> off an old lady's oxygen and sc- to, to scream at her. Screaming like, sure, at a yeah, lizard. That's funny. So uh, neither of these characters are ever named. They're just yeah. called no. Lieutenant in both the credits. So let's just yeah. call them Lieutenant Keitel and Lieutenant Cage. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and I, 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 
I still got to recommend it. And I, I love that you brought up getting it on. Uh, it was one of the first films I think that had to like make cuts for blockbuster. It could not yeah. be in a block. The so, whole, like pretty much the whole scene with the two teenagers in the car mm-hmm. is nope. cut to make it R rated. I, I saw that. So oh, I, I must so have. You, you got it from somewhere else. Local. I, I didn't go to Blockbuster yeah. as much as I went to my local video sure. store. So that's Respect. probably yeah. where I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, yeah. I bought it on DV, like a $9 DVD, like right when the format came out. Like, fuck yeah, I'm owning this NC 17 version of Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. I kind of recommend it, but it's. Really not for any yeah. everybody. I think it's on Tubi, well, streaming for free. Oh my yeah. god! Oh god! Breaking that shit up with ads. Oh yeah, yeah. It's sake. very jarring. All right, all right. Show me how you suck a cock. Hey, have you tried delicious Pepsi? It's the taste that goes down delicious any time of the day. Drink Pepsi. Show me with your mouth. Uh, okay, okay. Because there's so many cool movies to talk about. I haven't watched the next movie in since it came out. It's fucking long. I forgot how long this movie is. Malcolm X is longer than Titanic. Yeah, it's three and a half hours. And I've never, I'll say this right, well, I'll introduce the, the, Kate Vernon, Spike Lee, Delroy Lindo, Al Freeman Jr., Albert Hall, Angela Bassett, and Denzel Washington? And um, Malcolm X. When you have a powder keg and there's too many sparks around it, the thing's going to explode. The critics declare Malcolm X a great film. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Triumphant, spellbinding, Denzel Washington gives the performance of the year. Fascinating, powerful, epic, brilliant, a must-see film. Denzel Washington, Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee. I'm shocked to say I agree with all this. I, I hate, hate, hate biopics that try and tell the story of someone's entire life. And I came out of this three and a half hour viewing like, I wish this was longer. Like there, there's, there, I, there, I feel like there's scenes in Malcolm X's character growth that I would have had liked to have been fleshed out a little more because he kind of makes these really hard transitions in his personality well, and goals. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing that I had forgotten about almost entirely. I remember Denzel Washington is so powerful and he does such a great job Amazing with the Malcolm X part. And I forgot he has to play like four characters yeah. pretty much. He starts out as oh, Red. Yeah. He's Detroit Red, uh, you know, wearing um, just amazing suits. That's, if you put that scene amazing. on, it might be the most confusing scene. It's Spike Lee and Denzel Washington, who I think are 30, in bright red zoot suits, playing shoot 'em up in, in a field. Bang, bang, I got you. Like, how old are these characters supposed to be? By the way, yeah. that, these might be those, that beginning might have the best outfits in the history of cinema. They are so cool. Want it's to wear great. them all the and, time. And, and, and feeds into my idea that every single filmmaker actually wants to make a musical because it's a whole big dance scene that's just fantastic yeah. at Roseland. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got to play Detroit Red. Then he's got to play inmate Malcolm Little. Mm-hmm. Then he's got to play Malcolm X. And then he's got to play uh, Malik Al-Shabazz. Yes. Uh, he so- ha- goes through major, major transitions in his life and it becomes a different person. Mm-hmm. Here is my central thesis for this film, which I did just watch for the first time. I don't think this is actually a civil rights film. I think this is a religious film. I think yeah, this is yeah. the story of a man who goes to huh. a dark place, joins a cult. I'm not speaking of the nation of Islam in reality. I'm going to only uh, speak to it of how it is portrayed in this film. In this film, it is portrayed as a cult which murders people. And 
It's about a man who joins a cult, finds problems with that cult, and then embraces traditional Orthodox religion. That huh. is the journey we see in this film. That is what the yeah. vast bulk of this film is actually about. <laughs> we very rarely see the specific civil rights things Malcolm X is fighting for. What we do see is tons of his battles with the Nation of Islam, tons of threats from the Nation of Islam, and there is, of course, lots of racism, but that's the background to the bulk of the film, which is about his religious journey. And you know who I think agrees with me on that? Oh. Hmm? Saudi Arabia, because well. this is the first non-documentary film to be allowed to be filmed in Mecca. Yes. Because the yep. Saudi authorities said this is a good religious story about the truth of traditional Orthodox Sunni Islam. Yep. And they, they had to send in a only a second unit crew because yes. everyone had to be Muslim on the Correct. crew. So yep. Spike Lee could not go. But they filmed during the Hajj, and it looks amazing. It, it, mm -hmm. And that's... The, all the cliches I hate about biopics are kind of all here, but it's fucking, I love Spike Lee as a director. I watch a lot of his other movies in a big, a, more of a rotation than this. Cause it's fucking long. And I, I don't like biopics, but it, uh, it, this is to see Spike Lee step yeah. up and make a mainstream studio movie this competently and this gracefully is really but, cool. But it, it, is it a mainstream Hollywood movie. It's a That's Warner Brothers thing, film. It, it, is, it was trying it's to be Warner Brothers. It's I mean, it feels like it's a giant epic, but like it also feels extremely personal. This is a movie yeah. they tried to make for so many years. Like going back to like only a couple years after Malcolm was killed, they were trying to make a Malcolm right. X movie. Uh for a long time, this was going to be a Norman Jewison movie. And he actually is the one what? who brought in Denzel because they worked with him on a soldier story. He made it in the heat of the night. I what mean, that's fair, fuck? but also people like the white Jewish guy, you're going to make a Malcolm X movie. Yeah. And finally, Spike Spike Lee had built up enough cred that they're like, okay, we'll roll the dice on this, but mm -hmm. is it going to be too militant and too controversial? And to some extent, yeah, because well, Malcolm X is a very complicated person yeah. whose ideas and views changed. And he said a lot of stuff that, you know black separatist stuff basically black and white people can't live together and whites are a bunch of devils and john f kennedy got what he had coming to him and they cover all that like yeah, yeah. they're not, I, I, they're not I whitewashing they're not away from it yeah the, 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 the warts and all approach to like dealing with every level of that stuff is pretty laudable even 30 years later well i yeah. this is by far the biggest budget period black film that had been made to that point probably you know, i don't know the, if there's there a better, not that many I, I don't know if there's a bigger one i've seen these massive crowd scenes of you know black yeah. folks on the street and thinking like mm -hmm. i don't know if i've ever seen this many black people in a movie yeah there there and were almost like none it. before this film the best ones you could say would probably cotton club in 84 color of purple in 85 glory count Missis <laughs> mississippi yeah, burning in 80 out I don't think glory counts. Yeah, it's glory, not it's not a black film, really. Glory, the main protagonist of glory is a white man. Yep. I therefore yep. do not consider that to be a black period film. It has Wait, even you look at the, the, the crowds, the numbers of people in those movies. Mm -hmm. They're not 200 people uh, in an auditorium and they're all black. Yeah, just that. 
And, and here, because I, I get, that's realistic. That's what it was. I have, I have so many questions about this, and I invite all everyone's feedback on this because I, I really came out of it like I really need to know more about Malcolm X as now because I don't know much about the authenticity of this portrayal or how the, the story is told. I really don't. And I, I don't think mainstream culture has really tackled it. And my biggest question was, you know, we were all kids at the time. Was the X hat, Malcolm X hat, was that? Was that, that was popular. No, but, that was popular was that, was that, you can't copyright an X. An X. And, and, <laughs> and Spike Lee was actually getting mad at that because he was like, all these knockoffs are coming out. Right. And, uh, so that's what I was wondering. Was this merchant? Was that merchandise for the film? Because yeah. that, that was yeah. people were wearing those all over the place before symbol, the movie was and out. It was cheap yeah. and you couldn't copyright it. Mm -hmm. So anyone who wanted to make an X hat, there you go. Yep. And how many of them were worn by dirtbag white boys who have no idea what they're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Spike Lee was obviously very passionate about this film. There was a mini controversy because he was going on uh, TV and radio uh, saying that children should skip school to go see his movie. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And, and also demanding the press, please, please send black reporters to me to talk about this movie. I think we'll have different conversations than if you sent white reporters. And you say like, wow, that sounds like anti-white is that like racist and it's like no because it made a lot of like premier magazine and entertainment weekly realize we don't have many black reporters mm. that is a blind spot we should rectify mm. so yeah, yeah hit me if you got good. comments facebook facebook laser time group i'd love to see more documentaries about malcolm x because the last thing i saw oh what was that movie regina king directed last year oh uh one night in chicago one night in chicago one night in miami. One night, miami. miami yeah uh and that's like a completely different portrayal of malcolm x than this is so uh, yeah i i know very he's little a, he's a complicated he's a complicated yeah figure who most importantly changed decade by decade yeah okay and that's okay martin luther king changed tactics as time went on I don't through, feel like he went through as many personality changes mm -hmm. as Malcolm X did decade yeah. by decade. Absolutely not. No. I mean, he started as full-on black separatist. And it, yeah, as a religious experience that going on the Hajj and seeing Muslims of all mm. races and creeds made him realize like we're connected by something bigger than race. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, and, and change his tune. I do have to say though, that trailer kind of offends me because what is the song they're using shotgun wow how did malcolm x die yeah again? exactly lots Ooh. of gunshots i i, I remember uh, being gen sawed off and then like a thousand a gunshots. yeah like in the thigh like wherever they i remember yeah. being kind of disturbed by that sequence because other than like robocop oh, yeah. i've never seen anybody shot that many times on film yeah yeah and just speak of how timely this is two of the guys who did 20 years were recently exonerated really and the one guy who did actually admit no i definitely was a shooter gene the guy played by giancarlo esposito who's grabbed wow. immediately yeah. um, I, I was gonna say it, it's amazing to me that that is who kills malcolm <laughs> x in this film yeah. there, there's a great onion article called called like uh introduction of gasarlo esposito 
uh, indicates main character is fucked. Yes, and that stands for <laughs> Mandalorian. That stands for That'd Mandalorian. Be- the boys. He's he's like Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. He's like the villain on four concurrent show. It was crazy. And I saw him here, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then he kills Malcolm X. Yeah, but he, that's yeah. what I, I also love about yeah, that guy. Spike- served assignment, and he's out. But uh, yeah, the two other guys who he said, that's not who was with me. Those guys did 20 years and they were exonerated wow. like this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, I, I loved it. Despite my uh, apprehensions, uh, I thoroughly recommend it. It'll probably feel like homework with that length. But like, if you like Spike Lee and you want to know more about one of the, Jesus, one of the more notable characters in American history and the history of civil rights, uh, I, I, I I was left dying to know more about that person. That doesn't always happen when I watch one of these yeah. movies, you know? So yeah. uh, to get completely geekish, sure. all you yeah. X-Men fans oh, out there on. who know about Martin Luther King, <laughs> learn more about Malcolm X because the whole Professor X Magneto thing is based on Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Re- I recommended it's streaming okay. on HBO Max. Um and yep. and yeah, and if three and a half hours is a bit much for you, there's a really good breaking point about an hour twenty. It takes him an hour uh, twenty to even hear about Islam. Yeah. So that's pretty. You can, once he goes to prison, you can break it. And about again, those there. Th- those scenes are and, they're they're and it's and a, stuff happens and, and the stuff that leads up. It's a period crime story, and it's awesome. Delroy Lindo, I miss him. What's he yeah. doing? Uh, Pretend it's a three episode. Uh, prestige television yeah it made okay? me really wish this was a, a 10 episode tv series about the oh, life of the guy completely do that yeah. i would love to see something like that um yeah oh but i don't think you could get that performance out of denzel ever again though because like i say he's got to cover so much ground right. man and he does an incredible job yeah. so this makes him a star star right this is the film oh, where fuck. denzel washington is like write me the big checks now boys yeah it's yeah. uh it's interesting to think um if it, when would he have been cast in a large role were it not for his collaborator Spike Lee? When would would Denzel have got a role like this? I don't know. It may have been another couple of years, or well, might not have happened. He's well, no. He's. I, I was kind of shocked to find out that he was attached to this before Spike oh, wow, Lee was okay. attached to this. Oh, wow. he, he won the Oscar for because, um, because Norman Jewison knew him from a Soldier Story and had seen him play Malcolm X in a play. A soldier story, by the so way. So he, I... he was already locked, and Spike Lee was like, yeah, there's no one else. So I, that's exactly who I want. That's the only reason I'm going to do this. When I was at my sister's wedding, Diana, my cabin had TCM, and I kept leaving the wedding early to like disappear. I'd never seen a soldier story until like two months ago. It is a phenomenal film. I'd never even heard of it. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it is super Light recommend good. for a soldier story. Got to move on, because there's an even bigger movie, even though I, I don't <laughs> feel like I have a, as much to say about it, but it is number one at the box office. And we'll kind of end up being uh, one of the top five grossing comedies of all time. Um, Catherine O'Hara, Brenda Fricker, Tim Curry, John Hurd, Daniel Cern, Joe Pesci, and Mac Macaulay Culkin, number one of the box office. It's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. America's smallest hero is lost in America's biggest city. Can I help you? Reservation for McAllister? Is it New York? Hiya, pal. Oops. Alone too, lost in New York. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. Rated PG. Ha <laughs> uh, <laughs> As a kid, I just considered this and Home Alone 2 kind of like the same beast. I love them both. 
very equally. But as I grow older, my viewings of this have fallen into almost Ghostbusters 2 categories of annual rewatches. I'll watch Home Alone 1 twice. Yeah. It's yeah. It's the well, same thing again. Now I give them. Now I'd never seen this before, so I'll give them really? a little bit of credit oh. in that they're no, it just happened. It was a Christmas movie, and it just just skipped me by. Whatever. But I'll give them the credit that they keep pointing out, like, no, we are not doing the same thing again. This is yeah. how we lost Kevin before. We won't do that. And then they do something else that's equally stupid. I, 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 that's, so it, I give them well, a little bit of credit is, for knowing they are a sequel. <laughs> there is that lovely pre 9-11 bit at the airport oh. where they bump into this flight attendants all the tickets go flying and they're just like well i guess you can all get these aboard. these movies cannot exist i wrote a big dumb article on just looking at the home alone script the i think it's like 18 things that had to happen to leave macaulay Culkin home alone like or running out of cheese pizza mm-hmm. she wants she wants you to drink milk because it's going to go bad the milk gets spilled over his ticket that his ticket gets thrown away he's banished to upstairs it's It's crazy it's a well this has none of that this is none of that and it's 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 sort of miraculous this is decent enough to get you to the fireworks factory there you go okay yeah and and here's 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 a really sad fact this is the first movie i saw tim curry in really yeah but well he's fun though yeah i'm a kid so what else would it have been you know like uh Maybe I'd seen Legend and didn't recognize him, but it's mm. like I after this I recognized him forever, and I was a big SNL fan. I'm like, oh shit, Rob Schneider, I'm I'm there, <laughs> I'm, I'm there. But Home Alone two, it, it becomes this Home Alone one in ni- the end of 1990 becomes this massive phenomenon, and they are under pressure to like we need to greenlight this sequel, get it written in time to shoot during the Christmas season in New York because that's the only premise they have. So it's like real fast turnaround. And we need to do this before Macaulay Culkin grows up to be a teenager and <laughs> the premise doesn't really work anymore. Yes. Um, but the Home Alone films one and two are all about wish fulfillment for little kids. And there's some of this, too. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been a little kid alone in a hotel room. But there is a like sense of power there, especially yes. if you like ever look at that mini bar full of all the candy and your parents have said don't eat any of that it's like five dollars a bar but if you had the magical uh kevin powers where it's just i've got an unlimited credit card i'm gonna get all the candy all the things i want at this hotel room you know there's something there there's some wish fulfillment going on there this this is the fun thing i read like macaulay culkin he even comes on talk shows like, yeah, I live a weird life. I don't have to work. I don't really care to act anymore. I'm like, well, how did that happen? He got several million dollars to be in this and 5% of the gross, which oh, would yeah. go on to globally make almost a billion dollars. Like, oh, that's why he's set for life. 5% yeah. of the gross of Home Alone too. I mean, this is this is on Disney Plus every Christmas season, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's enough to live comfortably for the rest of his life. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and, and absolutely. So this was I I will say it was a bit better than I was expecting because I really yeah. was expecting we left him again. Um, you know, the construction of it to get him off on his own in New York, fine. And then then the construction of it though to get him into a house where he can fuck up Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern was like that this is now we've gotten sweaty but it's so up good up until then 
up until then i was i was with you tim curry is a fun <laughs> foil i think one of one of my biggest laughs was them cutting from the tv showing the grinch grinning to tim curry's grin yes <laughs> that was a, that was a solid cut but that uh, was but, a really good cut <laughs> but diana if they would have had just completely new villains something would have been lost you know you Indeed. want the returning villains i mean yeah, i don't I think it's a coincidence and... that these are the only two home alone movies that matter there's been like yeah. what four or five sequels there have been three which... sequels in the disney plus one from last year which I can't the four sequels in total. Kind of hate recommend enough because that's like set in the home home alone universe. The McAllisters exist. Yes. Uh, it's fucking it's fucking crazy because the kid is torturing not not bandits, not crooks, but people trying to save their home. Beating the yeah, shit. He, he I, I <laughs> practically saw that, murdering I like, Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney. The kid is the bad guy here. <laughs> yes. The adults are really but anyways. None of those films matter. Mm -hmm. Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 yeah. still matter. They they are still out there in a way all the rest are not because they brought back everyone. They brought back the McAllisters. Yeah. They brought back the Wet Bandits. Yeah, they had to... It, it is kind of nuts when you think about it because, like, remember, part of the confusion was they're traveling with 19 fucking children. All of those kids are the same. They, they brought every, like, literally everybody back. It's like the, more returning cast members than in Avengers Infinity War. It's, <laughs> it, it, but other than that, it yeah. is, it is, it, it, uh, like JR said, I think Home Alone 1 has a shitload of, like, sweetness and heart leading up mm -hmm. to the Looney Tunes battle. This is a little less than that. I, yeah. and I did because well, I Kevin learned his lesson. It, Kevin learned his lesson in one. And that's, okay? and that's why they, they call it Home Alone. One, he's not at home. Two, they didn't leave him home or leave him at all. They got separated. Three, he is running away. He this is he's not abandoned. He he's running away. He's trying to stay hidden. And uh I yep. I could go on, but John Mullaney has a great bit of it, and I'll just let him explain why the title is stupid because it always makes me laugh. I know it's kind of stupid to complain about a movie that came out 17 years ago, <laughs> but I wasn't a comedian back then. So I have to do it now. I wish I'd been. I wish I'd been a Def Jam comic when that movie came out. I would have torn it to pieces. Be like, you seen it? You seen this Home Alone 2 lost in New York? It's a grand system, mother. Where you at? 24th and 5th? Where you want to go? 35th and 6th? 11 up and 1 over, you simple bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that bit. But yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with Home Alone 2. It's just like, I feel like I don't have as much time for it as I used to. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, seems uh, it seems useless. I mean, it just seems like a, an accessory. Like yeah, it, you don't need it. And and, and it is also it. Uh, marred by a cameo from my least favorite president. I have a clip. God damn you, Rutherford B. Hayes! No, not uh, this is going to surprise you. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and grab him by the pussy. Thanks. <laughs> My favorite YouTube clips. I had to play I it. I knew that was coming. I didn't. I, I didn't. That was coming. What I what I didn't know is that Donald. Trump, this is one of my favorite factoids about Donald Trump. If you're shooting in properties he owns, he demands a cameo. But 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 because <laughs> he is not interested in culture or art, most people cut his cameo, and he never knows because he's not he's not intellectually interested in movies or television or things that bring people happiness. And none of the people in Home Alone 2 knew, they thought they had to put this in the movie. They hated it. I think there's still a petition signed off by, by Macaulay Culkin to cut this from the whole movie. It, it doesn't belong there. 
uh, I think it's hilarious. But uh, yeah, Trump would require you put him in a movie if you were filming at one of his hotels or real estate sites. Hmm. <laughs> Petty. Yep. Cool. Can we just talk about Brenda Fricker for a while? Yeah, she's great. I just want to talk about, yeah, the, oh, the pigeon you, lady. You, oh, you mean Piers? Oscar winner pigeon lady. You mean Piers Morgan? Who is not Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> she won an Oscar two, three years ago for playing Daniel Day-Lewis's mom in my left foot. Yeah. And, and I, this is her big Hollywood birthday. I guarantee this is her biggest payday ever. <laughs> it has yeah. to be. Oh, yeah. And I, I kind of like her character... A little more because I think it takes more compassion to reach out to a homeless stranger than someone you live next to. Because, but again, it's there's a formula here that is copy and pasted from Home Alone one that I, I would not fault people for being irritated by. But um, my sister and I love this. We watched it all year round. Uh, I have it memorized. Uh, love it, love it, love it. But you know, if I need to be an adult here, I watch Bad Lieutenant and Malcolm X before you watch Home Alone two this, this season. <laughs> Uh, moving, Especially with your kids. Yeah, moving into TV, which is surprisingly busy. Uh, I put this in sweeps, because, baby, because it's airing all week, and it is. My grandfather was the sweetest guy in the world, and he's never yelled at me before. Uh, until I started making a shitload of noise during the CBS four-part miniseries of Sinatra, and he never let it go either. Every time, like you wouldn't shut up, Dan Sinatra. I, all I want to do is watch Sinatra, and you wouldn't shut the fuck. He didn't, didn't curse, but uh, he, he always till his death he brought up me talking thirty years ago uh, during Sinatra. Chris, the oxygen <laughs> is fading, and my last words are: you wouldn't shut up during Sinatra. They never released it on DVD. You stupid motherfucker. Uh, yeah, Sinatra is airing. It's a huge event. Blah blah blah. I don't remember a single. Uh, oh, I was gonna ask if if they show any beating, oh, domestic know. abuse. I don't. I no. couldn't tell you. It'd be interesting because um, wait. It's oh. produced by his daughter Tina. Yes. So no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe alive. she's got some uh, resentment to work out because there's a couple mm-hmm. of. I don't know. But in terms of like, I would say consistently memorable television. There's at least two things out this week that will you would put in a time capsule of representing the best television has to offer this week. Mm-hmm. The first of which is the Seinfeld episode, The Contest. Um, it airs on NBC this week. <laughs> to the minor consternation of the censors, uh, if you don't know what it is, it is the masturbation episode. The master yep. They came up with the phrase master of your domain because NBC's like, you can't say masturbation in context of actually masturbating. It was not mm-hmm. a topic broached ever on sitcoms. I'd never seen it before. I still, mm-hmm. I have a clip and I, and I know you Everybody, even who doesn't like Seinfeld, has heard this. But there is an even dirtier joke hidden here that makes me laugh so much. Uh, but basically, George's mother <laughs> is hospitalized after the shock of walking in on him masturbating. <laughs> uh, and they make, they make a... I'm never doing that again, George says. All right, I'll tell you this, though. I am never doing that again. What? You mean in your mother's house or all together? All together. No, like, oh, give yeah. me a break. Right. <laughs> you don't think I can? No chance. You think you could? Well, I know I could hold out longer than you. Care to make it interesting? <laughs> sure, how much? Hundred dollars? You're on. Wait a second, wait a second. Count me in on this. <laughs> you? Yeah. You'll be out before we get the check. <laughs> Too. Oh, no, 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 no
gorgeous. Because you're a woman. So what? It's easier for a woman not to do it than a man. Oh. We have to do it. It's part of our lifestyle. <laughs> it's like uh, shaving. Oh, that is such baloney. I shave my legs. Not every day. I love that line. So <laughs> it is te- women. Women don't ma- jerk off as much as men. They snuck that into primetime NBC without saying the word masturbate. And not only did Larry David win an Emmy for writing this episode, he won the con- the real life contest. This was based on. He went three weeks without jerking yep. off. <laughs> and, and he said he was getting pretty darn crazy by the end. Yes. So all right, doing the math, the boys all put in a hundred dollars a piece. That's mm-hmm. three hundred. Elaine puts in 150 because they make her do that because she's a girl. 450. If you do the inflation calculator, this is a $900. Jesus, bet. nice. That's that's not nothing. Yeah, that's some money. It's that's a guaranteed yeah. $950 loss for me. I, I, uh. So 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 Chris, mm-hmm. uh, you can edit this out. No. You don't want to go for a real life contest? Yeah, let's do it. All right, gentlemen. Gentlemen's bet. Uh, let's say. Fifty dollars, or write a pa- a parody song about Diana. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, that was I'm mixing up other ideas. Uh, I wouldn't. I I'm not going like to last. Where a week. this is going? I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to last till the third segment. Ha ha! Stealing the joke. Um, and then uh, All right, I'll take it. Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. wager. All right. Um, all right. And all right. Here we go. Yeah, but actually, but I have to say before we What's get up, off this. It it has one of the the thing that I love the most about Seinfeld the way that all the different plots converge at the end yeah. in a really goofy way, because part the, the problem for Elaine is that she's in the exercise class with John F Kennedy Jr. who yes. was yep. a fucking snack at this time, <laughs> and that Jerry is dating Jane Leaves as Marla the Virgin. Yes. And those two things converge. I think I think <laughs> Seinfeld Seinfeld said it sort of inspired storylines going forward that they all kind of converge in one another that they not not be an A and B plot that they meet together at the end. They they uh, end up paying each other off yeah. at the end. I love in, that. That's my favorite thing about Seinfeld. It worked perfectly. There was so much that was right about this episode. I love the fact that they showed people tossing and turning as a way to say this person has not masturbated yet. It was just a great way to get it past censors and it gets it across completely. Uh, I love that so in clever. this episode, you never know for sure who won the bet. Mm-hmm. However, in a later episode, the puffy shirt, George would say that he won. But then in the grand finale of the series, George says he cheated. So Jerry <laughs> was the winner. Uh, uh, wonderful. Oh, and, it's, it's uh, also Estelle Harris's first episode as yes, Mrs. Costanza. Start, oh, wow. I cannot yeah. imagine anyone else as George's mother than that. And and he's masturbating to a glamour <laughs> magazine. Don't pretend okay. you never. Come on. Th- th- this is an example of the pre-internet age. Yeah. Glamour magazine. Yeah. Wow. I mean, maybe when I was 14, I could pull that off. I couldn't pull that off right. today. Right. I could never literally <laughs> pull that off. Um, <laughs> uh, also, uh, uh, not classic TV, but a notable episode of the, what would you call that, uh, egalitarian Captain Planet and the Planeteers, Ted Turner's gift to us all. Uh the, the episode titled The Formula for Hate, and it's the first episode in an American children's animated series to directly deal with AIDS and HIV. Yep. Yes. So yeah. um, one of the many reasons 
I found that show kind of unwatchable. Just preachy, yeah. <laughs> messagey oh, yeah. all the time. Super preachy. They go through all the things. They basically have a PSA. You can't get HIV from uh, playing basketball, and you can't get it from a drinking fountain. And you actually have HIV, which is not AIDS. Oh, thank and God. Let me explain the difference. That alleviates all my fears. I'm, I'm free to try out for the Lakers now that this water fountain <laughs> and NBA stuff is cleared up. And uh, also this week, Northern Exposure uh, Thanksgiving. I want this to be a tradition for realsies. What? Just like how we have some people celebrate Festivus, I want us to celebrate Northern Exposure's version of Thanksgiving. I don't. I have never seen Northern Exposure. I don't even know what this is. Oh, it's uh, such a oh, wonderful I'm, show. But Northern Exposure's version of Thanksgiving. I've got a clip. Got a oh, clip? you do? Okay, yeah. good. Well, remember, it takes place in Alaska. It's the only holiday that's for everyone. I mean, there's no theological strings attached. Christians, Jews, Muslims, Moonies. I mean, no one's left out in the cold. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Fleischman! Hey, Ed, how's it going? Really great. How about yourself? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Happy Thanksgiving, Dr. Fleischman. At that moment, he's hit with a tomato. Ed threw a tomato at me because it's Thanksgiving? Uh-huh. What could Thanksgiving possibly have to do with this unprovoked attack? We don't celebrate like you. Let me tell you something, Marilyn. Not only do I find this custom atavistic and reprehensible, but Ed made a very serious mistake. He got the wrong guy, an innocent bystander. I'm not white. Yes, you are. I may look white, but I am not. I am Jewish, okay? Jewish, a fellow person of color, a victim of oppression. Let me ask you something. Do you uh, know what a shtetl is? Reservation? Right. How'd you know that? You told me. Pogrom? Okay, well, for your information, in Eastern Europe, in the Pale of Settlement, Jews were herded into these squalid villages. Shtetls? Yes, exactly. We were ostracized, segregated, and the Cossacks would ride through regularly, raping, pillaging, and murdering. So, you see, Marilyn, I may be a lot of things, but I'm not white. Definitely not white. So is that the, the tradition? They throw tomatoes at they throw white people? tomatoes at non-natives. Yeah. Awesome! I'd be happy. I'll, I'll take a tomato for indigenous people. Great. <laughs> I think that's if you want to expand it out to all non-whites, get to throw them at whites, whatever. But then you get into a big argument about what's white. Yeah, not not so, in the face, but like you know, I can't do much else to <laughs> atone yeah. for what's happened to you. So exactly. yeah, hit you me. Just, Go for you it. You know, you, you get some metaphorical blood on you. And yeah, you're like, I got to yep, say, I had, you're right. I did not hear the term person of color 30 years ago. That I feel like that entered the, no, mo- no. Like the mainstream lexicon like 10 years ago. Holy shit, Northern Exposure. Maybe you need to watch this show. Um, um, it's uh, a great show. For, show. for 1990s television, it's among the best you're going to find on network TV. It is absolutely fantastic in so, so many ways. And we will probably never get it streaming because yeah. they use so much music per episode. Yeah. And to make Diana hate me even further, I had not heard of Cossacks until an American pickle. Anyway. <laughs> uh, one more thing about this Your episode. Mom was killed by Cossacks? What was killed by Cossacks? Wow, we have so much in common. <laughs> uh, one more thing about this episode. This is the one where uh, Joel learns that he has to serve another year in Alaska due to the rise in the cost of living. And he has a dream where he replaces Sisyphus yep. as rolling the boulder up the hill. And we had just learned about that Greek myth in a school. And I felt so smart 
getting that reference on this television show. Oh, awesome. Uh, also out this week, the HBO movie Stalin, um, starring uh, Frank Finley, uh, Robert Duvall, let's say, and Julie Armand. Yeah, it's Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall as Stalin. I have not seen this. It's um, supposed to be really, really good because uh, it focuses more on his personal life. That, and then he killed thousands more people. But it's also still going to be a bummer because you're telling a story about uh, an unrepentant piece of shit. And there are mm. very few upsides to Stalin. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he killed literally tens of millions of people. And uh, yeah, yeah, it uh, doesn't really cover that. I, I don't feel you'd ever get a three-hour biography of hitler during his prime years that doesn't show more of the mass murder and this doesn't show the mass mm. murder and uh moving on to i don't know why this episode is notable but i know that it's worth mentioning uh at least jr and i lost our favorite batman last week uh yeah. Yeah. r.i.p God, to yeah. the wonderful irreplaceable kevin conroy uh who who died last week very suddenly uh really really bummed me out um, but yeah, Batman the Animated Series episode. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? That's a great title. This is the first appearance in the animated series of Edward Nigma, aka the Riddler, right? And it's one of my favorite versions of the Riddler. I yeah. think they just capture him perfectly, as is the want of the animated series. They get everything that's good about the character and they concise it down to a tight. 22 minute episode that shows you everything you need and it's it's just another classic from a show that produced a classic every week oh shoot you know who played him on animated series who? john who? glover oh that's Ooh. oh Wait. you definitely know Wait, who I that do. Is. why do i know who that he's, is he's the ted turner guy in gremlins 2 and new <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah. That guy. Welcome to the men's room. I, I love that. Clamp. <laughs> He's Clamp. Fantastic. Yep. Um, and then, speaking of animated television classics, <gasps> get out of the way, uh, because nothing much compares to this wonderful episode. <gasps> Look, there we are. It may be on a lousy channel, but the Simpsons are on TV. <gasps> they hate Fox so man. much. Old Man Winter! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I fill your driveways with ice and snow. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. That's what. Stop. Mr. Plow. All right. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, you know what it is. It's the Mr. Plow seemingly, you know, one of the Homer job ep episodes that people tend to turn their nose up now. But And it's also like, I'm not sure oh. the Simpsons revisited winter since the first episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I I get it. Homer gets a new job, but it's the perfect example of Homer getting a new yeah. job. You cannot have a better Homer gets a new job than Mr. Plow. Okay. Yep. I uh, did an experiment. This is a 22 minute uh, show. I uh, uh, rolled a D23 electronically uh, to determine one random minute and it is a stone cold classic of uh <laughs> mr pow is a loser and i think he, he is, is a loser so no matter turn on this episode at a random moment yep. and you will have a pure 
joy. I was at a pornography second. store. I was buying pornography. Was buying pornography. Señor Blau, no es macho, es solamente un borracho. See, we could do this. We could just do nothing but random clips from Mr. Plow, and it would be hilarious. And uh, this also has the first instance of Adam Westing. I really think this is they have an appearance by Adam West here Pure where he's playing West. up being Adam West. Yeah. <laughs> and it is just classic. And I think that's where we get the future Adam West making fun of himself yeah. is in this episode. And the line, I was at a pornography store. I was buying <laughs> pornography. That went through my head so many times when they were at that, what was it, All Seasons Lawn and Gardening? Uh, uh, Rudy oh. Giuliani. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Four Seasons, yes. Right, the, the Four, four seasons. seasons Lawn and Gardening, which was literally next to a pornography store. I could not help thinking. All right, I, I love I love this episode. It's a classic. Do you come with the car? Oh, you. Oh, um, you. Uh, we got to move on to games because it's equally a big, very big week for video games this week. Thirty years ago, uh, we'll get to the big one last because I think this is still pretty notable. Um, everyone on the show is a big Star Wars fan, uh, yep, yep. and I guess so. Star Wars has nothing but shitty. Shitty, shitty console games. Mm -hmm. I think Super Star Wars for Super Nintendo is kind of shitty, but it's inarguably no. the least. Hold on, discourse. discourse time. It's okay. the least shitty Star Wars game that has ever existed on consoles. That's what I'll give it. No, I'm going to say <laughs> this is a solid platform. It's, it's fine. Okay, when it was 1992, and I was a Star Wars fan, and there was nothing out there for me. Mm -hmm. the, the the Star Wars glut had gone. There were a few Timothy Zahn books, which I was anxiously awaiting, but there was nothing new for me. And to have Super Star Wars on the Super Nintendo, where for the first time of any video game, I felt like I was Luke Skywalker. I felt like yeah. I was swinging that lightsaber. I felt like I was jumping around the sand crawlers. I felt like I was driving that little speeder thing of his and the x-wing attack was so awesome this is a good game period i think it is still enjoyable to play today uh it is hard as hell it's hard but there's shit. an easy mode yeah okay you can just select easy and have a fun time there is no shame in easy i recently replayed it for this show set it on easy played it for an hour had a fun time and I, I just, another quick RIP shout out. I lost a friend and colleague recently, uh, buddy Rob Smith. He was on a podcast of ours and he literally, literally wrote the book on LucasArts. And I just love that George Lucas kind of made a mandate. We're not going to develop Star Wars games. We're going to license those out and we're going to create new IP and, you know, push this medium forward. And this, I think LucasArts was actively involved in the development of this, which they really weren't up until in the console era, up until this point. Yep. And this is breaking that barrier, and pretty soon we're going to get X-Wing and yep. TIE Fighter and all these other awesome Star Wars mm -hmm. games. And this is the one that sets that in motion. Uh, also out this week, if you're a nerd who likes Disney acquisitions, Spider-Man and the X-Men and Arcade's Revenge for the Super Nintendo. Okay, there are no good Marvel games on the NES. We agree on yes. that, right, Chris? All terrible. 
Well, all terrible. All two of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's more than that, but yeah. Uh, is there a good Marvel game on the Super Nintendo? Yeah, I mean they're all pretty passable, just because it's like walk forward and punch, and there's you can make a decent Spider-Man platformer. It happened. This is this is decent, and the idea of Spider-Man and the X-Men in the same game, like it's just because of you know difficult MCU Fox shit. We weren't really able to see that again outside of comics. I just like that this exists. It's not the even the best Marvel Super Nintendo game. That's War of the Gems, baby. But even that's a little, you know, derivative of Final Fight. But uh, also Prince of Persia is out on, on Super Nintendo. Kind of a... This is the best version of Prince of Persia, the original one. Not the, mm. Yeah, mm. I'm going to say that. This has double the content. They added in okay. 14 new levels. The controls are very responsive. The animation on the 16-bit is fluid enough that it feels good. I think this is the best okay. version. I'll take it. I just I know it was a little more fluid on some other PC platforms, but I'm not sure if it was like the original PC platform was that fluid. Mm. I, so I, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I'll weigh in on Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally because if you're going to make a Sonic ripoff, who better than Looney Tunes Roadrunner? The only <laughs> classic cartoon character with an arcade who has a previous arcade game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the huh. thing is, they forgot what game they were making. A Roadrunner game, your goal should be to run fast. Yeah. It should have intuitive levels where you're jumping and going fast, and they throw in a bunch of BS platforming yep. that breaks your speed for no good reason. Uh, so, Which is dumb, because because the Roadrunner has the animation of like Sonic going at super speed. Mm -hmm. It's like the exact, but it, you, you can do it so rarely. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, the animation on this is amazing good. for a 16-bit. Sunsoft I did good. I bought it at work. the time because I wanted to. Uh, so my dad loved the Roadrunners cartoons. That's the only cartoons Weird. he would ever watch with me ever. And so I really what? wanted this <laughs> video game to be like awesome. A bonding and experience. The animation is cool mm -hmm. when you get to the end of the level and you see Wiley E. Coyote die. That is good for a 16-bit game. It's really funny, but the level design is so bad yeah. that it's not a good actual game. Uh, speaking of not good actual game, Wind Commander gets ported to Super Nintendo. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Shouldn't have been ported. Yeah. You, it was too complex. Very PC-centric. And then Soul Blazer yeah. for Super Nintendo. This is why we have another bonus show on Patreon for video games this week, because this is kind of, if you don't know, November 10th to the 12th are like the biggest game release days that there are. Uh, you'll, you might notice, look, all the big games are kind of already out right now because that's, this is when they release. But I didn't mean to insult the Genesis <laughs> because this was a huge, big deal because for 302010, if, if you've been listening a long time, it's very hard to get video game release dates for the first segment of the show because they weren't very solid. And it was just sort of treated like whenever these boxes show up, go ahead and start selling them. Sonic Tuesday. The day Sonic 2 released on a Tuesday. Sonic Tuesday, the first ever day and date release of any video game, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Two. This was really, really the first day and date. If anyone yeah. reads Console Wars, which I highly recommend, it feels like an incredibly fun uh, movie, except it's, you know, the real life history of Sega versus Nintendo. This is built up heavily in that book. And the amount of work they had to do to make it happen is insane because how hard is it to do something yeah. that's never been done before? Usually a lot. 
<laughs> and no one had ever released a video game on the same day before. Yep. So Sega worked their ass off to make it happen, and by and large, it did. And uh, and and you uh, have to you have to tell all these people like when the box shows up, don't take it out until this. Can you imagine if just movies? Theaters started playing Indiana Jones Last Crusade whenever it showed up. And like, we're talking like independent toy stores out the ass. That is what sells most video games around the nation. It's actually Walmart, but there's a lot more retailers then than there were now. And they all needed to be choreographed across the entire globe to, to release on this same day. Nuts. How many millions of copies did they have to ship out and get to each individual store and yeah. then have them sit on it? Yep, sit on it. That, it, is, that is pretty impressive. If yeah. you didn't work retail 20 years ago, like some of that shit would arrive like a month or more in advance. And usually it was marked, don't open this. But that's how things mostly leaked back in the day, retailers. Yep. And uh, this is uh, a true feat because like if I have a favorite Genesis game, this might be it. Because I don't think it ever got better than this for me, uh, and especially I'm gonna, Sonic. Uh, I'm probably going to go with you, Chris, mm -hmm. because this is better than Sonic 1. Yeah. Sonic 1 has a lot of design problems. This fixes more of the serious ones. It adds some mechanics that become staples for the rest of this series. If you're going to start playing a Sonic game, I'd say Sonic Mania. But if you're going to start playing when the original Sonic games start to. And I, well, I would also recommend one. this year's Sonic Origins, one of the few games I platinumed, because they break open the code and basically Sonic 2, Sonic 1. So you can be playing oh. with, with Tails. Sonic is kind of a game of momentum, and you can fail in some of Sonic's <laughs> momentum, but having Tails there to pick you up is really convenient. Especially I would say Sonic is game. a game of level memorization. It's all <laughs> about knowing what's going to come next and being able to react from memory, not because nah. you see it on the screen. I went through 3 and Knuckles and CD, which are games I'm not as familiar with. I love saying Sonic is a game about managing momentum. Like yeah. you just it's 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 hard to control because he's so fast. It's just a one. It's wonderful. So Sonic Two, happy birthday, happy thirtieth birthday, Sonic Two, to one of my favorite games. Period, but also probably my favorite Sonic game. To changing the face of video games forever. Indeed, indeed. Posing a serious challenge to Mario. I think, uh, yeah, the first time Nintendo would, at the end of the day, be beaten in a console yep. war. They won Christmas with this, mm -hmm. and uh... yeah. I'd say this is Sonic at his height. Yeah. I don't think he was ever as big as he was at this moment. It's I wouldn't call yourself an authority in this because you are right about to grow out of whatever son, what, what is cool about Fair. Sonic. Okay. And the cartoon hits like right around this time. All right. And merch starts rolling in. Yeah, if like it in the modern day he would have had a movie by now, but like he was just too huge. Anyway, comic book news. We touched on it last week, but in Superman 75, Superman definitively allegedly permanently dies <laughs> superman is dead. He, he is dead i he, better i wait i better go buy it because i'm sure it will be worth money someday yeah i've got one somewhere in there, my there was basement. a great I, I wish i took down your name a great thread in the laser time facebook group about it being a really fun story to be to go along with and just really compelling it made me want to go back and read the whole saga because uh, it is, he is dead. Technically, he is dead, dead. Um, and uh, SNL ha even ha even SNL waited on it. <laughs> he could fly, X-ray vision, super strength. All I can do is run fast. <laughs> no, don't say that. No, no, no. It's true. All I do is run fast. He could run as fast as me, but he never mentioned that in all these years. Sir, he's a real man. 
I like that. So uh, as a massive comic book... Keep, oh, keep going a little bit. Show you to your seats. Lex Luthor, what are you doing here? Well, it's a... It's a tragedy, a real tragedy. It's great loss, just a pity, just tragic. You don't mean that, do you, Luther? All right, you got me. I'm glad he's dead. Right? <laughs> That's future Senator Al Franken as Lex Luthor. Um, I'm sure Fox News, don't let Fox News know this clip exists. Uh, but as a big, giant SNL and comic nerd, this was amazing. The whole cast dressed up as comic characters. Chris Farley as the Hulk. Uh, <laughs> Adam Sandler as the Flash. Green uh, Green Lantern? What is it? John Stewart Green Lantern with Tim Meadows? John Amazing. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. But uh, as a huge comic nerd at the time, I was just amazed that my world was breaking into mainstream yeah. news. I mean, so DC was recommending people walk around with black armbands on them to mm. celebrate the death to celebrate of the death of their most famous character yeah uh, i still have my novelization and closing out the segment because it's been a long one once again 92 music how do you talk to an angel by the non-existent band the heights is still number one love pointing that out um we also have new releases this week including free at last by dc talk man that was big in my bible camp and that's not a sentence I'm making up or saying facetiously. Uh, <laughs> the Future by Leonard Cohen is also out. And uh, The Far Side, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, which is on Rolling Stone's Best 500 Albums list. And we will close out by, with Passing Me By by The Far Side. Do not move because we have so much more fun stuff to talk about when we get back. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Yeah, I'm talking about the Wii U, a system I bought two weeks before the Switch was announced. <laughs> <laughs> I should have saved that because right. I'm dying to talk about this. This is a bonus show of which we have no name because it's not bonus time. It's 30, 20, 10 adjacent, but I don't know what kind of theme song it deserves. But more importantly, uh, a round of digital applause for Steve Guntley, half of the Wii Universe podcast. Wii Universe. Hello. I've never heard weenus in that before until now. Now I'm smiling. Uh, oh, no, I haven't either. Damn yeah, but we're, here to, we're here to... Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming into 2002 with Die Another Day by Madonna. Uh, oh, the disappointment begins here. Yeah, is this where does this rank on your Bond themes, Diana? Pretty much towards the bottom. Yeah. And I, I was so excited when I heard it was Madonna doing a Bond song. I was like, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And she's 
between, you know, music and Ray of Light before. It's like, she's doing some of her best work. This is going to be great. I hate it. Yeah, she has a much better song on the Austin Power soundtrack. Strange yes. to think about. <laughs> Other new music releases in uh, 2002, November 18th to the 24th, include Self-Titled by Audio Slave, a terrible, terrible name. It was terrible then. It's even worse now. And I believe they were already disbanded or broken up when this album came out. I think it's hilarious. The End of Things yeah. Come by Mudvayne. Uh, the Last Temptation by Ja Rule. Fire Festival founder Ja Rule. Uh, More Than You Think You Are by Matchbox 20. Formerly known as Tabitha Secret. Shout out to my fellow Floridians. Uh, quality, quality, the solo debut of Talib Kweli. Uh, Travelogue by Joni Mitchell. Testify by Phil Collins. Under Construction by Missy Elliott. Escapology by Robbie Williams. More Than a Woman by Tony Braxton. Up by Shania Twain. Folk the World, the debut of Flight of the Concords. And Brainwashed, the posthumous final album of George Harrison. Ugh. Lose Yourself yeah. by Eminem is still number one on the charts. 2002 in music is packed for the next couple of weeks. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know why the other decades aren't. There's so much. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then let's get a little news out of the way because we head into 2002. Things happening in the world outside of entertainment. Uh, NATO invites Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia to become members. Mm. Yep. So NATO is the most successful alliance in all of world history. Whoa. It really <laughs> is. I have no arguments. What about but the League I, of Nations? He says, not knowing what that is anymore. <laughs> failed miserably. That I don't know what that is. It's colossal I failure. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just something I remembered uh, from history class. J Japan walked out as early as 1931 over its annexation of Manchuria, and Germany quit two years I mean, later. That was yeah. a disaster. I knew that. I just wanted to bait you in explaining it to the listeners. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Write, write down that I'm smart when I die. Yeah. But... 29 of the most technologically advanced countries on the planet sticking together, saying that attack on one is an attack on all, is a powerful commitment. Mm. Russia doesn't fear Estonia. Russia doesn't fear Latvia. But because they are in NATO, they will not be attacked by Russia. Mm. Yeah, but these are all former Soviet states. Yep. And that's the kind of bullshit that ends up leading to where we are right now, right. where as of this recording, uh, they just accidentally fired some missiles into Poland. Yep. Who is what? not at war right now. <laughs> and that might turn bad. But that's when you evoke Article 4, which is when the NATO alliance talks about what we are going to do next. Yeah. And uh, in Nigeria which is different from Article 5, which is when an attack on one is an attack on all. That's only been used once on 9-11. Wow. And uh, other news, in Nigeria, more than 100 people are killed at an attack aimed at the contestants of the uh, Miss World contest. Jesus Christ. Basically, you know, Al-Qaeda and its offshoots uh, fomented some revolts. Uh, the uh, Miss World contest was being held there. They thought it would be a good place to attack. And they were kind of right because then the Miss World contestants all fled. And uh, I want to say lighter news, but I don't, I don't know what that baby weighed. Michael Jackson dangles his baby out of a fifth floor balcony. And I, I know Why? this is. Why? Does anyone have any explanation? Of I, I mean, like, I, I this made him look bad and this made him look crazy, which I'm not saying he wasn't, but it's just like, it's more how childlike he is and how in his inability to understand what a baby is. He was dangling it to show off to the press because they wouldn't stop trying to take a picture of it. And here, here's what you wanted. Didn't really think that like you were really 
about to pull an Eric Clapton on your baby. Uh, this <laughs> maybe don't do that. Wow. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, I I don't know. I'm starting to think this uh, Mr. Jackson character might might be a little odd, a little maladjusted. Uh, maybe, yeah. possibly. But yeah, there was never any good explanation. He gave an apology, saying, "I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking." And then everyone just kind of like moved on as they did with every other weird thing Michael Jackson did. <laughs> they were coming in pretty hot and heavy. Uh, and then, you know, speaking of Michael Jackson's indiscretions, uh, and, and Diana pointed out that I may be incorrect. I'm pretty sure this is how I remember it. There was a Hollywood pedophile sting and caught up in that arrested, I believe as part of the, the same investigation where Pee Wee Herman and Jeffrey Jones, they arrested on counts of child pornography. Uh, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, I think the charges were dropped because it was like classic art mm-hmm. that did depict child pornography, but it was like 500,000 years old. And like, it's not something he was jerking to. It was just, it was, it was part of a collection of old, paintings and stuff and uh but however jeffrey jones solicited a minor to pose nude and take photographs and fun fact jeffrey jones criswell one of my favorite movies ed wood ed rooney in a ferris mm-hmm. registered sex offender to this day still on the registered sex offenders list uh jeffrey jones pleaded no contest and has since succumbed to several charges for not renewing his predator registration blah 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 <laughs> Uh, bizarre. It's bizarre that he's still acting. Um, anyway, moving on to no, movies here and there. No, I, I actually looked and I but actually like don't think when he's he done. Does any... pop up, like when he did pop up, like on Deadwood, I was like, Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, cause I can't hate that. He's my favorite. These are both Tim Burton's boys. I think that's ironic. <laughs> Tim Burton boys getting in trouble, uh, for kitty porn, uh, moving on to the movies of 2002. Ah, oh, I am obsessed with Diego Luna right now. Diego Luna. Uh, Edward Norton, Antonio Banderas, Ashley Judd, Mia Ma- Maestro, uh, Jeffrey Rush, and Alfred Molina. Oh, oh, and Selma Hayek in Frida. Frida. Yeah, another good ass biopic. We're mm-hmm. again breaking the rule of: do we have to have a biopic that like covers someone's entire life? And it turns out, well, yeah. Also, we're talking about two people who didn't make it to fifty. So mm-hmm. between this and Malcolm X, yeah, you can cover that pretty fast. I Frida is. So good. Yeah. I can't imagine not really bothering to do another Frida Kahlo biopic because, I mean, I guess the only complaint is, will Selma Hayek's too pretty? But it's that another was, one that, that was been... a fucking complaint at the time. Yeah. She is too pretty the, to play Frida. Yeah. It's another one that the rights have been flying around. People have been working on it, working on it, working on it. Finally, she got involved even before she was pretty well known in the US and really tried hard to get this made and ended up getting Julie Taymor to direct it, who's Still probably best known as the theater director for doing like Lion King. And I, I think he and, narrowly uh, avoided some Harvey Weinstein molestation in order to get this made, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah. She said Harvey Weinstein basically said, either you're going to have sex with me or you have to put in full frontal nudity. Uh, you have to have a love scene with a woman and get full frontal nudity. I'm going to see you and naked either said, way. Yeah. No. But I'm going to have a like sexy dance scene with a woman. Is mm-hmm. that good enough? And he was like, <sighs> I'm going to go be gross over here now. But yeah, I, I haven't actually seen this, all, but I remember this being talked about for years and anxiously awaited because everybody wanted to see it happen. Selma Hayek wanted to do it. But while she is kind of a movie star, she's not, hasn't really been the star of anything. And, and 
hmm. is always the co-star. Like other than uh, a movie I saw recently, I, I you rarely ever see Selma Hayek as the star of a film. Uh, so that hadn't. It was an uphill battle, but thankfully it worked out because this was very well regarded, one of the most well received critical movies of the year. Fucked up yeah. that sentence, but uh, yeah, you talk about it. just and everyone does a great job. Frida Kahlo's life story is pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, her being severely disabled in a bus crash, and that's how she learned to paint because she was stuck in bed for years, fucking years. And Alfred Molina, I cannot think of better casting for Diego Rivera. He just kills it. Everyone is so, so good in this. Oh, but, you, you, and, and there's, I'm like, it's hard to film a film about painters. You yeah, know? yeah. How do you keep that interesting? And they do. They find, like, you, you just, you enjoy watching everyone do their thing. Yeah, I freaking love Frida. I was so surprised by it because I really was, again, sort of was like, oh, my own pick. Oh, Frida Kahlo can't paint till she thinks about her whole life. <laughs> and I was like, nope. They just keep it moving. Keep it interesting. Do yeah. the important parts. And yeah, everyone's great. You kids you kids may know Frida from uh, Coco. She's in Coco. And it's a very <laughs> weird cameo. Uh, also uh, this week, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Paul Dano, Harris Yulin, Edward Herman, Mr. Herman, uh, Rob Morrow, and Beth Davids. Hey, there he um, is again. Uh, and Emil, Emil Hirsch and Kevin Klein in The Emperor's Club. I, uh, I looked at this not and like... Dead Poet Society. Right. I, like, I, I, I thought, like, <laughs> didn't Kevin, Kevin Klein already make a Dead Poet Society? Did I see this? <laughs> but I, yeah. I, did he, was he in a Dead Poet Society-esque movie where he's teaching at a boarding school? I feel like he was. This is it. This is it, man. I I Ah. feel like I didn't see it. No, uh, I didn't get around to it either because it's been a busy week. But uh, the reviews are sort of like, well, it's okay. He's really good in it. Of course, it's a complicated character. You know, he's not just like a perfect guy who inspires everyone. And, you know, it's cool to have these this kind of crop of younger actors in there, like Emil Hirsch and Paul Dano and Jesse Eisenberg all together. It's okay. Mm. But. Yeah, sort of like if I'm, I'm gonna, I could probably just watch Dead Poets Society. Yeah, which I, I no longer want to do. Anyway, uh, uh, and then all we also have closing out the trilogy: Cat <laughs> Williams, Terry Crews, Clifton Powell, uh, Anna Marie Hosford, Don DC Curry, John Witherspoon, R.I.P. Mike Epps in Ice Cube in Friday After Next. I had not seen this. I decided to give it a try because I really love Friday. Yeah, it, I I really do. I think it's a very odd coming of age film. Just I, I but it, realizing I was, I think Ice Cube was a little old. He's older than me, but it just felt like yeah, you're in your twenties. All you want to do is hang out, like it. And then some comedic stuff happens, and as the movies go on, it just turns into a batshit wackety schmackety cartoon. And this, <laughs> and, and, and I saw this was it set at Christmas in Los Angeles, and uh, I great. I can't wait. I'll watch this. It was a little much even for me. Like I, I, I could not handle it. I did not like it, Ugh, especially with how grounded I felt Friday was, despite its more interesting characters. This is just slapstick overhaul. Not a fan. Uh, Friday afternoon. Barber shop. We just had right. barber shop. Yeah. Which also felt more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. But still funny as hell. And I guess it's, I, it's, it, I have been wanting to watch the Friday series for mm-hmm. the longest time. And this week was just packed, packed, yeah. packed. I could mm-hmm. not fit it in, but it's it's still on my list, y'all. Watch the, the first there. Friday is great. No offense to uh Mike Epps. I loved him in other things, but like, you know, you're gonna want Chris Tucker in there. 
And uh, last but not leastly, uh, we got Samantha Samantha Bond. Wow, in this movie, uh, Michael Madsen, uh, John Cleese, Judy Dench, Rosamund Pike, uh, Rick Yoon, Toby Stevens, Halle Berry, and Pierce Brosnan. It's number one at the box office, everyone. But up, but up, die another day. My friends call me James. My friends call me James Bond. Live for the moment. Are you a gambling man? If the stakes are right. What happened to you? Bond. And die another day. Let's get down to business. Who sent you? Your mama. Pierce Brosnan, Halle Berry. Looks like we're going down together. Not yet. Die another day. Ah. I do not think there is an actress alive who could have made that Yo Mama line work. Okay. (laughs) I think Halle Berry could have been one of the all-time great Bond girls if she had been given something to work with. She was not. It's it's also pretty bizarre. She is like the most famous person to be cast as a Bond girl. She is a famous fucking person. And I remember, obviously, there was a, a... poster with Pierce Brosnan, but there was posters that was just Halle Berry, Die Another Day, Lower Third. Like, that's how big she was. She Almost was too a big huge for this. star in 2002. Yeah. She, her star was at near its peak and uh, just not served by the material, but I think that's the <clears throat> big complaint about Die Another Day. So 2002 era JR, living in Japan, I'm actually visiting um, Thailand Oh, over winter break. And I don't have the ability from my small rural Japanese town to see Hollywood movies. I'm in Thailand. I go to a giant ass theater. I watch uh, Two Towers, which we'll talk about soon. Loved it. The next day, I am debating whether to watch Die Another Day or watch Two Towers a second time. <laughs> and I watched Two Towers a second time. And now I finally know I made the exact right decision. <laughs> yep. Good call. And since I didn't Absolutely. talk for a while, I got to tell JR, I'm out. The the bets, you won. You, you, <laughs> you won. Oh, oh. That was a sucker bet, Chris. <laughs> flashing back to the Kramer episode, mm-hmm. uh, I think that him slapping the table and going, I'm Love out, I'm Jerry, out. is one of the funniest moments in all of t- history. Because if you time it, it's 57 seconds. So he had 57 <laughs> seconds to go to his apartment, drop trow, achieve an erection, achieve an orgasm, zip up, and come back in. That That's an impressive feat. I could give him a run for his money, maybe when I was younger. It's odd to think, it, somebody pointed that out, that we're all older than the characters on Seinfeld. Yep, They'll always are. feel older than us, and they're not. Uh, yep, yep. Die another day, though. Yes. I another day. My Widely regarded God, as the worst Bond movie. It's yeah, I don't definitely think it's the worst. Well, that's, it's that's really the, the, the worst. It's definitely the worst. Bronson. But here's the thing: when, nope. when I looked at some worst Bond list, they put like Quantum of Solace and Spectre on there. I'm like, I've no. only seen a few Roger Moore. <laughs> those no. movies are not that bad compared to those movies. Are you crazy? Yeah, Moon, Moonraker is usually down towards the bottom. Uh, depends on whether you're going to count Never Say Never Again. That's going to be on there. Die Another Day is. Definitely bottom five. I'm I will sorry. say it's in the conversation. I just it's don't think it's the absolute. Worst. What do you think the worst one no. is then? Um, I I would say Moonraker. Honestly, yeah, this, it, it I, really I didn't like Moonraker. Moonraker. Um, 
because Moonraker's just Spy Who Loved Me, but even worse. <laughs> so anyway, Die Another Day. Um, yeah, it's the last of the Brosnan movies. The Brosnan movies are very easy to track in that each one is worse than the last. There's Usually yeah. there's a little up and down, up and down. GoldenEye to Tomorrow Never Dies is fairly lateral, and then they plunge off a cliff. See, I, I, I love GoldenEye so much, and Pierce was my first Bond. Mm. Okay. Right. So I always had a bit of nostalgia for him because that's who I grew with. You know, that was like my bond to start out with. I saw the others on video and whatnot, but to me, Pierce was my James Bond. Yeah. For like, for like 10 years of our lives, he was associated with nothing but bond for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And then the films, like you said, got worse and I read reviews over die another day. And I was just like, I don't need to see the bond. I like in a bad film. Yeah. You know, it, it is so many of the things. Now, here, here's the thing. It's the 20th Bond film 20th and it's Bond the 40th film. anniversary. Yep. So they're trying to do kind of a, a whole series retrospect. Lots and lots of in-jokes and the plot mm-hmm. is going to be like little bits of plots from everyone else. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a big celebration. There's and a scene is, with John Cleese where it's like all the gadgets of gadgets, gadgets past. Everywhere. Yeah, and Halle Berry coming out of the water like Ursula Andress, and there's a laser made out of diamonds like diamonds. These are all, all things yeah. I, I didn't pick up on watching the movie, so I'm glad you're mentioning them. Right, and and it's funny that yeah, we just talked about Skyfall, and it's like there's like tiny, tiny little things like that that if you miss them, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. And this one, they are shoving them in your face. Mm, yep, Second of all, obvious. it is doing what we don't ask our Bond movies to do, which is have special effects in them. Yeah. The stunts are supposed to be the special effects. They made such a mistake in having a CGI Bond windsurfing a tsunami. I didn't even think about it, because it looks so bad now. It looks so so bad. bad. It's so bad. And in 2002, they should have been either, you know what? Let's hire a bunch of drunk Australians to windsurf (laughs) on a tsunami. And film that or just not do it. That's yeah, it. If you don't know me, I'm not, I, Bond is a weird blind spot. I've seen way more movies than most people. I, and I've missed most of the Bond movies. I've slowly tried to catch up. But I, was, I found it interesting to read the way the audience embraced the Bourne legacy. And then mm-hmm. this coming out afterwards feels like your dad trying to make a movie in a different era. Exactly. We we've had the born identity come out. I think it's probably hitting DVD about now ahead of Christmas Mm -hmm. where that's where it grows. It does. Okay. The theaters. And that's like, yeah, it feels visceral and real and it's stunt heavy as opposed to some really, it was not good CGI in 2002. And so now it's just like, what the fuck? Can we talk about the invisible car? Because James (laughs) Bond's gadgets are supposed to be about five years in the future. It should be right. something that you could picture. Okay, five years, maybe 10, we'll get this. 20 years later, we still don't have anything remotely close to an invisible car. The it is. Invisible car is so fucking stupid because yeah. he keeps sneaking around in it like it's silent, but it's like a yeah. Jaguar. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's still running on gas. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the plot, such as it is, is uh james bond got captured by north korea let's put a pin in the north koreans because we're going to get back to them (laughs) in the next segment and uh he gets tortured and then he gets traded and he's like mad about stuff but that just kind of falls away the real evil plot is that a north korean general son has had something some sort of magic surgery to turn him into 
a white guy, Toby Stevens, what? who yeah. is um kind of Richard Branson-y, I guess. <laughs> like he pops out of nowhere and is like in six months, like he's the richest man in the world and he's gonna get knighted today. And it's like no one did any research Background on why this check. guy where did this guy he got a birth certificate? What's his deal? Side note, Tony Steve Toby Stevens is uh Maggie Smith's son. Oh, okay. She she I hope she's disappointed in him and gave him a good talking to. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, there's uh, Bond is going to look into this guy because he's super sus. It turns out, oh, he's that North Korean guy, and now he just got surgery to look white. And it turns out he's going to build a space laser to clear the DMZ so that North Korea can take over South Korea. Something, and something, then awesome the and world, because by having this something. laser, they can shoot down American nukes and take over the world. Yeah, right. Something, uh, something. Rosamund Pike is also there, and there's some sword fighting. I actually like the sword fight. I, oh, I thought the, the closest sword fight, thing to good. Yeah, the closest <laughs> thing to good was the sword fight because there were a couple layers of there. You saw that he was trying to kill Bond in a way that he could have plausible deniability. And that yeah. was mildly interesting to me. One is distracting because Madonna shows up for some reason. <sighs> Madonna <laughs> should have been a Bond girl yeah. 13 years before this. Yeah. yeah. You know, that would have been a good fit. Oh, it's um, just like, yeah, the, it, the plot doesn't make sense. And they're shoehorning in Halle Berry, clearly setting her up for a spinoff with um, Michael oh. Madsen as her handler. Yeah, no, that was that was totally the plan. It's like, let's let's have a, an American lady bond. But which, they forgot to make her interesting and good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they did. Yeah. Um, so one one final thing that I don't think gets brought up brought up enough about the Pierce era. Mm. It was almost exactly in line with the release of the Austin Powers movies. Mm. So those Bond mm. films were not only competing with the Bourne identity, they were competing with the parody, parody of, of Bond films <laughs> that were that. greatly popular. And this movie embraces the gadgets to such an insane degree that... Uh, Eon Productions uh, said, hard reboot. Yeah. We are going back to the grim and gritty Bond of the novels. And this is actually a very common pattern with the Bond films. You start yep. off grim and gritty, you add more craziness, and then you've got to reboot every well, generation. It, it made me wonder when looking into this. I, I did think, uh, what, if you say 40th anniversary Bond, yeah. Bond yeah. it's interesting it took... Marvel 11 years to make as many movies as it took Bond 40. But mm. like with stuff like Marvel out there right now where Tony Stark can invent anything in his sleep, is that how you reboot Bond post Craig? Is like going full back backwards no. batshit? No, that is stupid and dumb. You don't I you do don't think they you know, I I I sort of hope they reboot it with kind of a different flavor of some kind and and mm. far beyond the casting. If I I'm in charge of rebooting Bond. Mm -hmm. You know what I would do? What would you do? Mm -hmm. Make it a period film. It's set in mm -hmm. 1962. He is facing the Soviet Union. Oh man, that could be mm -hmm. cool. So, oh, the cool costumes. Oh my. Yeah, that could be fun. That could be fun. Uh, maybe do it for it's like a, the way the Brits do Christmas specials with Doctor Who and Sherlock and shit. Make yeah. a make a yeah. be a good idea. It's a good idea, Jr. Yeah. Pay us if you so, do that, uh, MGM. <laughs> No, I will say there are 
the rare defenders of Die Another Day. Yeah. They're people who like James Bond being campy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is room for that. And if you look at it that way, maybe there's something there for you. People people weaned but, on the Roger Moore era. Like I, I'm too yeah. young to know anybody like that, but he made the most movies. He was Bond for the for multiple generations, and those movies are silly yeah. as fuck. And they get very silly with the whatever technology <laughs> and you know, the crass jokes about women and and I'm going to take over the world, but first I'm going to give this big speech. And yeah, all, all that stuff. So yeah, he's oh, going full Roger Moore here. Although, yeah, because I don't think Halle Berry and Pierce ever say anything to each other that's not a double innuendo. Gross. Like their entire dialogue is innuendos. Yeah, it's just... And it's weird. It's the same writing team that worked on most of the Bond movies. And I don't know what happened along the way on this one where it's just so goofy and just not what it's not what anyone was asking for. This is not what anyone needed. And so, yeah, then they stop. They get four years off. They recast. And and then we they go back to the absolute beginning of James Bond with the first novel and they kick its ass. So, yay, Casino Royale. So I guess without this, we wouldn't yeah. have gotten that. So no, that's a no. nice thing. I like it. And uh, Pierce was originally planned to be in Casino Royale. He was originally mm -hmm. planned to be part of his own reboot. Wow, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Roger Moore played Bond until he was 57. Yeah. Uh, but then in February of 2005, he was told by the producers that he would be replaced. Mm. And I, I, I do want to say Pierce Brosnan is like, I like everything he does outside of Bond better. He is amazing and a great ingredient. If you see that silly DC movie, Black Adam, Pierce Brosnan is a treat in that fucking film. <laughs> he really is. And he, and he like elevates everything he's in. And to me, like, it's weird that the worst thing he's a part of are these Bonds, these Bond movies. Hmm. He makes yeah. Really well, you haven't seen the Percy Jackson movie. <laughs> I have not. I have not. But uh, he's a horse. Yeah, I was reading some some critique he's a of centaur. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> uh, and I I just was reading a couple of reviews. Of just some, like I don't like it, but every Bond movie is somebody's favorite. So this is bound yep. to be somebody's favorite. This is true. And I saw the worst of list had like yeah Spectre down there. I'm like I don't think and you know that's Spectre. I did I didn't like as much as Skyfall, but it's not. The worst Bond movie ever. Jesus. Uh, this is. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on to television of 2002. To a little bit of Friends. Friends, the one with Rachel's other sister. Yay, yeah, this uh. is a uh, Thanksgiving episode of Friends, which I always liked on the Friends because... They're, they're always, like, their best ones. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Friends group, you know, Thanksgiving is more for your friends at that age than for your family. And they really capture that spirit in a really good way. Mm. Yeah. But it's got uh, Christina Applegate as uh, Jennifer Aniston's sister, who just got her star on the walk of fame. Hey. And nice. uh, is, had a super blinked out cane though. Cause she, she is battling MS. Oh gosh. Yeah. After, mm. after having to deal with breast cancer, that is some uh... bullshit. But uh, yeah, she blinged out her cane and uh, Katie Seagal and David Faustino were there with her. It was very sweet. Mm. Yeah. Radical. And uh, on The Simpsons this week, Large Marge. JR, I have not seen this episode and I'm afraid to talk about it. Okay, so uh, Marge Simpson 
accidentally gets extremely large breast implants, thereby ensuing that Rule 34 artists are never out of content. (laughs) Sexy. And there's a song about it. Who's got the time? You're like X-Men number three in a Mylar bag. You're a brand new muscle car and all the wheels are mag. You make me feel as young as the blood I get from sheep. You're like Jacqueline Bissett in me favorite film, The Deep. You sexy and exotic. Okay, okay. This is, <laughs> this is not an era of Simpsons. This is where I was like intentionally out on new episodes. And I guess I can kind of see why. I don't know. Is it a good episode? I don't want to shit on an episode it's I haven't seen. It's not an amazing episode. It's it's funny at times. Mm. Uh, also, uh, speaking of animation, bringing into one of the weirdest shows on Cartoon Network, Courage the Cowardly Dog ends. Just kind of a charming little show, man. How many animated horror shows are there? Because that's what this is. This is a animated horror show, show yeah. about a dog who lives in an isolated farmhouse and has to keep his owners alive against demons. S- supernatural from hell. elements. Constant yeah. <laughs> supernatural elements. Is, is this like the most successful show based on an Academy Award nominated short? That short is so good. The short Maybe. is great and has one of the best titles ever, The Chicken from Outer Space. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, thought, I think it was uh, Cartoon Network produced that, uh, uh-huh. that short. So, uh, But yeah, it, I love how many Halloween costumes I see more and more of Courage the Cowardly Dog every year. Now that we can go out again, but yeah, other than like over the garden wall and Curse the Cowardly Dog, I can't think of a lot of maybe Invader Zim, but that's kind of a different tone. That's stretching it, yeah, yeah. it's it, it, kind of a different tone. But yeah, like a G to PG horror, like a yeah. kid friendly horror, it's, friendly it's... child horror. If you're a very young kid, I can see this scaring you. If you're like uh anything approaching double digits i think you'd think it's super cool uh in animation there's usually an unspoken agreement that whatever animation style you see in the first 30 seconds of the cartoon is going to be for the rest of the movie or tv show Mm. not with courage i mean because they have so many different monsters of so many different art styles the art style is all over the place, depending on the monster of the week. Yeah, just talking about it now, it seems like this would be a good thing to get high and fall asleep watching. I'm going to put that in the back of my mind. Uh, and then also, lastly, this week, was this the <clears throat> panel, penultimate Sopranos episode? No, I think it's, there's two yeah. left. Sopranos there, calling all left. cars. So to me, this is the episode when Dr. Melfi should have left the show for good. Mm. This is the episode when she and Tony break up and he says, I'm not getting anything more from therapy. And in seasons five and six, there's this will they, won't they dynamic of getting back together, which I thought was pretty stupid. And she doesn't really provide much in the final season. She's a great actress. Right. But, but, but we, a, we only, you only want to follow her character in regards to her life with Tony because this is a story mm-hmm. about the Sopranos, not a graduate degree <laughs> Italian lady. Uh, yeah. in her in her dating life. I just don't have much interest in that unless it relates directly to Tony. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I never th- put it that way because we wouldn't have got that wonderful nude scene had she left. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but the other important thing about this episode, 
it is a hundred percent setting up Paulie to be the big bad of season four. This, yeah, kind of. This you can mm. really miss this, but if you play the clip, you can clearly see Paulie is trying to get Tony killed. Yeah, Tony's pretty hot. That you didn't count her off. Then this gets really bad. It could be a change. Tony. Suffice to say, no matter what happens now or in the future, Carmine won't forget you. And uh, as far as us talking like this... It's just because we're all friends, and I know I can blow off a little steam with you. Cheaper than a bartender. <laughs> I'm only trying to bring good relations between the families, as I always do and always will, no matter what happens or who's in charge. Uh, yeah. I, 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 let it go just a oh, tiny oh, bit more because then there's a cut. They want in on a going thing. You want me to pay a visit to Johnny Sachs, guys? Just say the word. Now, you know what? I'm not going to go fucking ballistic. Oh, due respect, T. Throwing your appraiser a beating was a provocation to you directly. <laughs> so, Paulie knows New York is thinking of taking Tony out. Mm -hmm. Paulie is then telling Tony to not de-escalate but to go ballistic on new york to me this is a big scene if you interpret the final episode the way that i interpret it that paulie had a play to had paulie had a part to play huh. in everything going back to black you think so mm. I've, ne I've never actually oh, heard that before so yeah yeah uh spoilers uh end of the sopranos everything goes to black tony shot uh, there, Tony. My belief is Tony is one hundred percent shot. It will never be proved. That's the no, David of it. Chase very delicately confirmed it, like this yeah. year or last year. It's he's dead. Yeah, but in that episode, you can see that Paulie is not being really deferential towards Tony, and that he is probably planning something with Patsy. And mm. if you think that they're planning uh, Tony's execution. That makes perfect sense because Paulie has tried to betray Tony in the past. And in the final season, uh, Tony takes Paulie out on a boat and is thinking about murdering Paulie. And Paulie obviously knows he came this close to being murdered by Tony. So at that point, why not just help Patsy kill uh, Tony and uh, get the reward? Fucking wonderful series. R.I.P. Tony Cicero. Jesus, a lot of dead people this episode. Uh, moving on, <laughs> video games, 2002. Uh, it's the beginning of a new franchise that's been pretty dormant for a while, but this was uh, an amazing must-get Xbox game, which they didn't have a lot of. Tony, Clan uh, Tony Clancy. Tom Clancy's <laughs> Splinter Cell. Hey, I'm hiding. I'm doing stealth over here. Don't look at me. Hey, yo, Tony <laughs> Clancy, hey. I'm walking here. This guy, I'm Sam to get Fisher, my techno thriller on. Hey, tried tried to bump him off, but he hid in the locker. Uh, Sam Fisher <laughs> over here, just a real kind of not only graphical powerhouse, but like a new, like a really advanced stealth game at the time. That's what it was praised for. I will not go back and revisit it because I find the series a little boring for my taste because I don't like that much stealth. But uh, very well well regarded and spawns an even bigger Tom Clancy franchise. Uh, Diana is a movie fan. Mm -hmm. This is notable because I think when I streamed it, I got a strike on YouTube. Rocky for PS2, incorporating not Sylvester Stallone, but a shitload of footage and music from the movies. Uh, huh. But this is the era. So it had been mm -hmm. 12 years since the last Rocky film. 
there were no Rocky films on the horizon, but you can tell the people who made this video game genuinely cared about Rocky. Mm -hmm. There are fighters in this game that are mentioned in the Rocky series, but never shown. And they appear in this game. And it it even was successful enough to get a sequel. It was that weird period of like, it's so hard to greenlight a new Hollywood movie to a major hit, but it can live in video games if we really want to do that. And that was, yeah, like two generations. We got a lot of weird movie sequels, follow-ups in video games. And this was, yeah, trying to be give you more Rocky. I hadn't even seen the movies at this point. Speaking of uh, follow-up movies and video games for PS2, GameCube, and Xbox, Minority Reports, everybody runs. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't get the rights to Tom Cruise's likeness, so the character looks nothing like him. Yes. Yes. And then uh, uh, also technically a movie franchise, 007 Nightfire out for PS2 and GameCube this week as well. I think I was mansplaining to Diana that for a while uh, James Bond was a triple A franchise in video games. Everybody was after the license. All the big companies took a stab at it until it eventually ran its course. Because they made one genuinely amazing game. Yeah. (laughs) One. I mean, I think EA made a, a, a decent one as well, but like they did try and turn it into an annual franchise, which, you know, you're... This has Pierce Brosnan in it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Nightfire, huh? I don't know much about it. Um, got a multiplayer mode, how about that? Let's close out 2002 as we head into our final segment with little George Harrison stuck inside a cloud. Uh, gone too soon, George Harrison. And we'll go out with that, but stay right there. we got one more segment to go with 2012, and it's a doozy. Don't move. Talking to Hello, fellow Nerf Herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Empire Strikes Back. Uh, here's a little bit of a teaser trailer from 1979. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. So can you tell who the narrator is? Dude, it, it sounds like a, a powdered toast man, like a reader. That's what's so crazy about it, <laughs> because the narrator is Harrison Ford. Is it really? Yeah, he's doing like, no a, what, like, a, like a radio. Yeah, it's the most enthusiastic performance I've ever heard from Harrison yeah, Ford ever, in my ever. life. <laughs> uh, but it's but you can hear it. Listen. Now the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga: The Empire Strikes Back. The, the title it is the That's title nice. was the title Empire Strikes Back was I think leaked as early as 1978. It sounds like. 
my wife listens to podcasts on 1.25 speed. Oh, it sounds like it. I can't either. It sounds like chipmunk <laughs> to me. That's what it sounds like. My oh, that's sick of Star Wars. Available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth our watching. And for the week of November 18th through 24th, man, is this an easy recommend. One of the best film noirs of all time, often brought up in the argument of the best film noir of all time. Turning 75 this week is Out of the Past, uh, starring Robert Mitchum, Jane Greer, Kirk Douglas, directed by Jacques Tourneur, uh, based on a book called awesome title build my gallows high yeah someone used that title this is truly one of the best film wars because it's just kind of got everything it's got an unwitting guy who gets drawn into a web of murder and deceit and blackmail and uh private investigators and guys working for gangsters are looking for a dame who run off with the money and she shot him and you know oh no we just we just want her back now we're not gonna do anything and then Lots of double crossing and lots of tough talking and incredibly moody lighting. And Robert Mitchum, who's like, there's no one who looks quite like him. He's just got this big craggy face, even when he was younger. And Kirk Douglas is kind of an earlier part for him. Truly menacing. Like, he's a creepy guy that, like, I'm so used to, you know, Spartacus or something. Like, he's a big, tough guy. And this one, he's like a sadistic little creep who likes having a gun a little too much he just seems to really enjoy the power trip that he's on of being a little gangsta it's like 90 minutes long moves super fast if you're going to debate you know the best film noir of all time out of the past or double indemnity is kind of creepy i like i'll, I'll listen to Maltese falcon the, the, this but those are like the three that are I think the the center of the argument right there. So you should totally check that out of the past. It's got a very strange sort of flashbacky narrative where it's like huge chunks of the movie are flashback, and then you sort of forget that they're a flashback. And then so yeah, out of the past, 1947, thousand percent recommend. One of the best crime movies ever made. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. I hear your heart beat to the beat of the drums. Oh, what a shame that you came here with someone. So while you're here. Coming in 2012 with Die Young by Kesha. She's back, hopefully under not terrible circumstances. I forget what her recording contract life was like at the time. Welcome to 2012, November 18th to the 24th. Other new music releases include The Evolution of Man by Example, Woman to Woman by Ke- Kesha Cole, Rebel Soul by Kid Rock, DNA by Little Mix, The World from the uh, Side of the Moon by Philip Phillips, Unapologetic by Rihanna, and One More Night by Maroon 5 is still number one. None of that matters to me in music, except as we get into our pop culture news. Size Gungam Style becomes the most viewed YouTube video of all time, surpassing 808 million views. And I, I feel like I just talked about this somewhere, but like I heard this in nightclubs. I heard this song on the radio. It be, the video, I think, gave it is what gave it life. 
But yeah. how often do you hear a song in a foreign language on mainstream radio? Fucking never. Yeah. Never. Uh-uh. Almost never. Yeah. And, and how can you hate this guy, Cy? I'm kind of sad I, he hasn't been thrust in our face a little more. Well, I, I really think on some level this song changed music. You know, I think we see a lot more foreign songs since then. I K-pop, think the yeah. explosion in K-pop can mm-hmm. be traced to this. It's like, okay, you've opened the door and now others can go through it. And, uh, and it, yep. it also changed the Billboard rating system. Uh, before this, the Billboard Top 100 songs did not include YouTube hits, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. song never reached number one. And so they went, well, look at all these YouTube hits. We should change our right. rating system. And so it did. I, I, I think this is the most successful song from Asia outside of Asia ever. Really? Not the... the I forget what that's but, called. Uh, yeah, maybe. Not, not Sukiyaki, which was for a long time. It's, yeah. it's got to be and something from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but good on Psy, man. I really... If you th- like, I, It doesn't work on me now, but I just remember how happy that video made everybody. Everybody. <laughs> and, and, and kind of a, a older pop star than what you're used to. Like a 35-year-old guy <laughs> dancing around doing a pop song. Uh, also this week... Sarah's not here, but we'll still continue to acknowledge the fourth ever, the fourth annual uh, Never Not Funny podcast part podcastathon. They raised a hundred thousand dollars for what Smile Train, if I'm, if I recall. Mm-hmm. There yeah, you go. It's so. me, Sarah. Gone yeah. but not forgotten. Uh, studying hard. Twenty twelve movies. Who? Oh my goodness. What? Oh, a my class. <laughs> we have some movies that have been justifiably forgotten. Some movies that are easily confused with other movies. Yeah. And and I'll argue basically a masterpiece in the middle. Sure, uh, yeah. sure. Oh. This, and the, but first we have to talk about Nativity Two: Danger in the Manger with David Tennant, Joanna Page, <laughs> Mark Walton, and Pam Ferris. What British Brit, uh, British family comedy about uh, the kids are putting on a nativity and then they're slit, they're they're in a song contest. The um, second time. Yeah, again this time i have to admit i started like reading the wikipedia page and i was like i don't care but then i found out there is a third nativity movie nativity three dude where's my donkey what? that's the one i want to watch is that real <laughs> is that for real all right yeah that sounds like something that would show on uaf uhf channel 62 uh anyway yeah, so, all right another european movie yeah. a royal affair with uh, alicia vikander right. and mads mickelson which is a danish film that is it sounds like it's right up my alley because it's kind of like a slow burn romance in the 1770s and it's based on a true story of the uh king of denmark like had mental illness problems and then his wife starts having an affair with the royal physician and it got fantastic reviews. And I don't know if I've seen a movie with these two people in their native language before. Huh. huh. I'm trying to remember either. what's the Mad Mickelson movie I have seen in Danish. And I can't remember. Mm. Well, in, Not it, Valhalla Rising, even though it might as well be because he doesn't like talk. Until it comes to you, it's time to talk about uh, a wholly most, unnecessary remake. <laughs> most pointless fucking movie. And I, I, I really... I, I can't say I love the original, but it is kind of amazing and weird just as a reflection of American panic 
and Soviet fears. And uh, I was a junior counselor at a camp, and one of the guys was a Marine, and he made this amazing... There'd be stations you'd collect beads, but he'd be in like sniper suits or rappel from a tree and run a red marker across your neck. Uh, <laughs> and he based it all on Red Dawn. So we get the <laughs> remake in 2012. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Connor Cruz, Isabel Lucas, William Lee, Josh Hutcherson, Adrian uh, Paliki, Josh Peck, and Thur, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, but is this, did he make this pre-Thor? Yeah. Because this this got caught up in the MGM bankruptcy. Yes. Yeah. And got delayed because of that. Then it got sold off and it got delayed again because originally the bad guy was China. And then they realized, oh, wait, China has money now and we want them to pay to see our movies. So yeah, they yeah. hastily changed everyone to North Korea. This is the start of China having a veto over the American movie system because the yeah. way the Chinese system works is they only let in a certain number yep. of movies per year. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not necessarily that the movie makers were scared they were going to lose out on the Red Dawn money in the Chinese market. What they were really scared of was the Chinese were go, oh, your studio yeah. made us the bad guys? None of your films are Ooh. going to China ever. We did a laser time about banned films and why films are banned for different reasons. And China is by far has the weirdest criteria, my favorite being time travel. No movies yep. with time travel because it is disrespectful <laughs> to our founding fathers or whatever, the people who mm -hmm. made real history. Yeah, yeah. Um, time travel and ghosts. ghosts. You, you have to find a way to, to change it for the Chinese market because you venerate your ancestors. That's very disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah, but this, this movie shelved for... Three but also, years? I'm pretty sure having Chinese be the bad guys is probably banned in China. Yeah. I didn't see it. In order to, like, do they change the actors the way they are? they still speaking Chinese and saying they're North Korean? Uh, no. I, no. Literally, they like digitally change flags. And, and That's have what I remember. Say, oh, no, the North Koreans, which is adorable when you think about the size of America and the size of right. North Korea. Korea. It, yeah, it I, is so ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> The the North Korean economy, you can see how wrecked it is from space, literally so. <laughs> yeah. You look at a picture of the lights of the lights world. Lights out, 9 o'clock. And, it, and <laughs> it's like this beautiful light sprinkle in South Korea and then darkness in North Korea. And the idea that they could then invade America, they, they needed some sci-fi thing. They needed to be like, <laughs> the North Koreans have invented the time travel machine ah. and this gave them uh the ability to know what we are going to do before we do it and therefore they can uh, conquer us it had to be something stupid and dumb like that um this was just a dumb dumb idea to have it be the north koreans it's just a dumb idea to remake red dawn period. Yeah. like it works perfectly as a, you know a a reagan era story that's really yeah. about afghanistan it's it's about yeah the, it's about it's about the mujahideen and you know the guerrilla warfare against the the soviets and, and even that movie is fucking ridiculous and implausible yeah. and would never happen but it's played so straight and when i saw it i guess i didn't see that it was like a hard r mm. and, and and pretty violent and i think this one the only person who saw it was like yeah, they didn't even bother to be as violent as the first one what was the point yeah. of this no, there is no point. It is justifiably completely forgotten that this happened because yeah. uh, and, and, and there, there's no fear to prey upon with Americans of there's no fear of a land war. 
to play on. This doesn't work with anybody's brain in our country. Except Canada could pull some shit, I bet. But, uh, you know, they probably wouldn't be paratrooping into the middle of Wyoming. Anyway. No. You, you need to set it, like, in the far future. Set it yeah. 100 years from now. That's, well, I mean, again, that's, that's I, I think Red Dawn works because they didn't. It was playing into a fear that yeah. uneducated people could, like myself at the time, could totally have. I'm worried about being invaded in a war in our country. We now know that'll probably come with, from within. A bunch of red hats um, will be the ones sieging your high school. But yeah. anyway, Red Dawn is out. Horrific bomb. <laughs> Huge bomb. Yep. Comes out with a fart. And, and again, we talked about it last week, but I, I remembered the spin at the time was that North Korea were better villains. But obviously, think about it for five seconds the way JR just described it. Why would North Korea... They have no land war presence. They just have big, big missile guns. That, that's that's what you got to worry about. And no, you don't have to worry about them invading us. You have to worry about them invading somewhere else in Asia. Okay. But, however, a good look at somewhere else in the globe, a really absolutely charming film comes out this week that I feel like everyone forgets about. Uh, yeah. Gerard Depardieu, Rafe Spall, uh, Irfan Khan, and Saraj Sar- Sharma. Am I saying his name right? Close enough. Ailey's. You actually got most of those wrong. God <laughs> damn it. Jar okay. Depardieu, I even got wrong. Uh, Life of yeah, Pi, ladies and gentlemen. Rafe Spall, Irfan Khan, and Siraj Sharma. Life of Pi. It's an amazing story. Unparalleled in the history of shipwrecks. Very few have survived so long. And none in the company of a tiger. Seemingly, like, even in a CG era, I, I'd read this book and just like, well, that's unfilmable. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can do that. And I, I think and that, there's a real tragedy behind that because VFX companies are kind of notorious for underpaying and being underpaid and being put under enormous pressure. Mm-hmm. And by the time this movie is nominated for a Best Visual Effects Oscar, the company is bankrupt and on its way to being sold and closed after this yep. magnificent feat. Uh, Life of Pi was difficult. To, it, fewer boat scenes than I remembered. Yeah. Well, yeah, they sell it as this is a movie about a kid stuck on a, a lifeboat with a tiger. And that's a segment of the yeah. movie. It's that's not It's not cast away. Part of it. It's not cast you know? away. Yeah. I forgot about that. Cat away. Cat away. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh. And yeah, so this is yet another one. It's like, man, they had been trying to make this for a long time. The early 2000s, uh, M. Night Shyamalan was going to write and direct it, which yeah, would have been pretty cool to have, A, him doing an adaptation of someone else's work, and B, you know, he's the highest profile Indian American director He's, there is, he's from so. the same place Perfect. as the character, He's, I believe, cool. wherever, that, wherever that region is. Yeah, it was neat. And he, I think it may not have been optioned if not for him being on the rise like that and him being interested, because mm-hmm. it is like... Yep a hard sell to people. But I, I was shocked to look at this made so much fucking money. How did this oh, get yeah. forgotten? How is because this not played on cable? It's a great story. Okay. Yeah. This is a, this is a recommend for the week for me. Sure. I'd say it's the best movie of the week. Yeah. Uh, it really brings you into the mindset. Uh, there will be some minor spoilers in this talk. I, I think we need to bring up the things that mm-hmm. would be spoiled to really properly talk about this film but for the first uh four fifths of this film it's an incredibly moving story of survival of what one person values of how a person 
uh, can get along, what type of relationship a person can have with an animal. There's a lot being brought up in this oh, movie and, before the twist. And and even faith. Faith is, a, again, a major yes. part of this. This is about a faith journey and different ways of looking at faith or destiny or God or whatever you want to call it. 100%. And that's where the twist comes in. Yeah. Because that is what it's all about. Which story do you choose to believe? Because Pi, the protagonist of this film, uh, basically belongs to three different religions. Um, he's a Muslim, he's a Hindu, he's a Christian, he's all three at once. And his whole thing is about faith. And which story do I choose to believe? And is he going to choose to believe that he stayed alive with a Bengal tiger <laughs> on a lifeboat with him? Or, spoiler, fa fast forward here right now, is he going to choose to believe that he saw his mother brutally murdered, then killed the man who murdered his mother and possibly ate that man? Possibly? <laughs> yeah. Is the tiger literal or is he the tiger? Is the, tiger... the tiger? Yeah. Is the tiger, is the, tiger, the, tiger the, the animal? Animals. Yeah. Is the tiger the, the animal side of man? Yeah. Yeah. Well, is I, it I all think... just symbolic? So I'm totally down with ambiguity. I do not need a definitive answer. Watching this, I come at it with a certain worldview. Unless a movie directly tells me the supernatural exists in this world, that's not necessarily going to be my default state of what is happening in the film I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. So when I watched this movie, at the very end, I was like, you processed your grief through telling this allegory. I interpret you as the tiger. I do not think there is literally a man-eating island in the middle of the ocean <laughs> that consumes people and has never been discovered by anyone ever. Doesn't make sense to me. Because they all get eaten. But some <laughs> tanker, some something would find... Anyways. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So... so Actually, this is a little, we should explain a little bit more about where yeah. the, the background of this movie. So it's about uh, a kid in India named Pai. And it takes a while for the movie to get going. And I think part of it is it's setting up. He's kind of a, it, there's some magical realism going on. Or he is a completely unreliable narrator. Yeah. And so he's telling the story about like I was a kid and I had different stuff that happened in India. My folks ran a zoo. We moved the entire zoo on this giant boat. The boat sinks. An incredible sequence. Yeah. Sweet yep. jeepers. That is a hell of a sequence. Um, huh? And then I got stuck on this boat with a, a zebra, a hyena, and it turns out a tiger. And then uh, the zebra and the hyena are killed off, and it's just me and the tiger, and we drift, and we have some adventures. We see some whales. We see some fish. We go to an island that's going to eat people, and then I'm rescued, and that's okay. I love that. The tiger being named Richard Parker is just so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's, it's so humanizing. Yeah. yeah. Richard Parker. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. yeah. What, I, what I thought was astonishing, I hadn't seen it on, you know, high, my high-definition television. I'd seen it Ooh. before before I had that. And the tiger looks amazing. The, yeah, it the, still holds up. The ocean 
looks completely out of fantasy or a dream. It doesn't look anything like an ocean does should at all. And that's lending to what JR said. Like I, I meant to, did they do that on purpose? Like, is this supposed mm-hmm. to be what we're looking at supposed to be unreliable too? Cause yeah. there was no, there's, there's oh, a- absolutely. There's layers well, of details in the said... ocean that like, this doesn't look like an actual ocean. What is, what are you doing? No. Yeah. Well, this is what we haven't mentioned that the, the big guy behind this, the reason this movie kicks so much ass is because it was directed by Ang Lee yeah. and Ang Lee basically got a blank check from Taiwan to be mm-hmm. like, he's, he's Mr. Big Shot coming home. We will give you a disused airport and you build whatever <laughs> you need to build. And we're doing this in 3d and i it was fun you know talking about like in this period where we do get some big fancy directors trying out 3d along with a bunch of other we 3D just stuff had uh, a last matter. last year uh martin scorsese exactly hugo this yeah. these movies go together really well this yeah, is an incredibly strong visual director getting to completely fuck around with 3d and really direct specifically with that in mind Wow, I'm shocked because I did not know that until I just heard it from you. Normally, when I watch these 3D movies, I'm like, well, that's a bad 3D shot. That's a bad. There were zeros that I saw in Life of Pi. Yeah, I didn't see anything that was distracting. None none of it's not about the coming at you stuff. It's about sort of the space in the frame going off to the horizon with while he's on the boat. Like, that's the kind of stuff he's messing with. I think there's, there's one point where the tiger comes towards the camera. And that's about it. But yeah, for a movie that's like very like spiritual and vague and you want to talk about it with your friends afterwards, it's still also like super entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> like you just kind of get transfixed and float along with it. And it's I, like, I gotta, maybe it's, yeah. I'm part of this fucking awful nostalgia feedback loop on the internet, but yeah, just watching it, like why doesn't anybody talk about this? This should be aired on television once a year. It, it, it's, it's very, it's still very good. And I was looking at the box it's, office. It's beautiful. It made six hundred million dollars. It made Iron Man two money. Like, how yeah. did this? How do we let this get forgotten? It was a huge hit in Asia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet again, it was again with China. There, it was. It was a huge hit all over because it's. That's just the domestic box office. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Americans saw the shit out of this. I I yeah. can see this not needing dialogue heavy. You know, so much of it is visual and so much of it is you can understand what's going on. So Mm -hmm. I can definitely see why you can understand what's going on just by watching the film, not hearing as much of every single word of dialogue as you need to understand some films. So that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's Ang Lee's uh, biggest hit. Like by so. a lot because he's not, mis- not exactly Mr. Blockbuster guy. I don't know why this doesn't get talked about more. I mean, maybe just the book is so popular because the book I know is very, very popular, but it's such a hard adaptation. I mean, Alfonso Cuaron, I think, took a run at it. Mm. Uh, Jean Pierre Genet took a run at it. I mentioned M. Night Shyamalan. Like they worked on it a long time. And to get Ang Lee, who is one of the most fascinating directors because yeah. he does like a lot of everything. Like, Oh, he did Crouching Tiger, but he also did The Ice Storm. Oh, but he did Sense and Sensibility. And after Billy this, he, he makes like a football movie? Yeah. For... <laughs> Billy Lynn's Long Time Walk, or Half Time Walk. Yeah. He's, uh, and, and he does Brokeback Mountain. Like, yeah. what do those movies have to do with each other? Right. Eh. right. I don't know. Visually, they're pretty neat. He, You're he reminding likes to me, put I, you I didn't see Gemini Man. In a place. And I, that's why I haven't oh, seen an Angley movie in a long time. 
yeah but it's like yeah he likes to put you in a particular place that feels very new and real and then tell a story around it and god damn it he does it uh yes next best best director oscar do either you have thoughts on if which story is true or do either of you just not care it's not that I I, it's, it's not that i don't care um, I just don't care. It's just, I think, coupled with the visual effects, there's something dreamlike to those se- those boat sequences in the Tiger that just don't look like anything else. And it doesn't look, it doesn't approach the Uncanny Valley. It doesn't look fake. It just looks detailed and yeah. and weird mm-hmm. and dreamlike. And I, I, I don't know. I was kind of in awe of it. Like it's it's streaming on HBO Max, so you, I think all HBO, so you can watch it there. I, yeah, it's by, far and away my biggest recommend. And even if he's an unreliable narrator. He's still a good storyteller, and it's it's yep. a, it's a cool story. But it, again, it's another layer to an already captivating film, and uh, so check it out if you didn't see it already. I, I don't I, I don't hear this talked about by film fans very often, including myself. So I'm glad it's one of those times. Where I'm really glad we have yep. a show like this to revisit stuff like this, and and, and similarly for the the next movie, which I think beat it out at the box office because yep. it was better oh, than I oh, expected. Also, I wanted to say for, for something that also feels like a. A, a you know a grand spectacle two hours even it's yeah. just yeah it's not homework it goes fast and it's tight yeah, yeah it's tight they don't waste time everything is there for a reason yeah anyway yeah i've heard the next movie is i've heard a lot of people praise this one and i did not get to i it. have praise for it but okay. i have praise for it i have so do my kids i have reasons why i don't like it but uh mm. why I don't, certain things i don't like about it but i was Pleasantly surprised. Dakota Gallo, Jude Law, Isla Fisher, Hugh Jackman, Alec Baldwin, Chris Pine, Rise of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. No, it's just the it's the it's the holiday. <laughs> That's the problem. I know, I know. I can't tell the difference. Rise of the Gu- Rise of the Guardians. You know their names. Santa Claus. The Easter Bunny. Sandman. The Tooth Fairy. Jack Frost. You guys know each other? Sandy, knock him out. With the dream sand, you Gumby. But what you don't know is their secret. We protect the world. Come on! Whoops. <laughs> Here we go! Who's with me? <laughs> DreamWorks Rise of the Guardians. So, so let me get my... I don't... Because I don't want to dump on the movie necessarily. Because I'm a giant fan of superhero movies and holidays. And it does strike me at certain points when they're explaining the details of Santa and the Easter bunny keeping evil at bay throughout <laughs> time immemorial. Like this is a public domain way of making your own Avengers movie that I don't really care for. <laughs> the, the, I, I don't like the lore you're adding unnecessary lore. You're adding to these pleasant childhood characters. Well, it, it's based on a series of books, Chris. So S- sort of, yeah, sort of, sort of. But- it, it has, I can only think of like Casper they started trying to make this movie before the books were even out. So it, oh, okay. it, the initiative was kind of, if I'm speculating, the initiative was to always make these movies, but start by making them books. But, but I kind of get the idea. Yeah. Everyone's heard of Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. You design them your own way. You've got your own little brand of them. The thing is i actually really like their redesigns i liked santa claus as being this like tattooed tough guy i liked the sandman as this super cute character and jack frost is a great tragic character because jack frost's story 
is that he has lost his memory for hundreds of years and all he knows is that he likes to play with kids but no kid can see he him hear him or touch him how oh. tragic is that yeah well, I, that, that, I was just going to say that like uh you know we rarely ever no need to get in a heated argument but like i really didn't like the character designs okay w which is which is cuz there's kind of a i don't want to say there's a style to these uh it's DreamWorks, right? DreamWorks movie. It's a DreamWorks, DreamWorks movies, but like it's not shot like a typical DreamWorks. Like the way the camera moved and the scenes that were set up, I thought were gorgeous. The the the, the designs look more like Leica Studio designs. Like they they, yeah. they should have been tangible objects to be designed to be this grounded. Like fuck around. It's Santa. It's the, the Easter Bunny looks. I don't like the way the Easter Bunny looks at all. And <laughs> why does why does he look like the I Sonic the Hedgehog? He looks nice like he looks like the Sonic the Hedgehog first pass on a CG Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Don't like but it. I I liked that DreamWorks was doing a non DreamWorks design. I like that about. No, no, that. I think I the character the designs thing. are traditional. Again, I, I will not say lazy, but like typical DreamWorks designs. But everything also in the film isn't. It, it moves very compellingly, and and it's. It's not always it's not always trying to be so fucking cute and funny like mm -hmm. the, like DreamWorks movies. There is a sincerity to everything. There are stakes. It really is not bad at all. I, I I may need to watch it again to figure out whether I like genuinely love it. But I was pleasantly surprised. Were you same same that same with are? me? Same with my kids. I think this is definitely on the higher end of the DreamWorks scale. I wish it hadn't bombed. I wish we would have gotten more of these. Um, but it it was a very expensive film for DreamWorks, and it just didn't make its money back. Uh, one shout out. It, it I looked like it did. It made $300 million. Wasn't enough. Oh, okay. Mm -mm. Yeah, no, unless you start adding in my, uh, the marketing, marketing costs. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. if, if there was a you sequel was going to happen, minimum, it would have happened already. Yeah, you got a minimum double your money. Yeah. And that's maybe breaking even if you double your money. Yeah. It's insane. So, uh, uh, for the most part, I don't like the trend in animated movies of casting a bunch of Hollywood actors. Voice acting and regular acting are two different things. I think right. everyone did a good voice acting job in this film. Chris Pine, Alec Baldwin, Hugh Jackman... Jude Law, Dakota, all of them did a good I, voice I love, acting job. It's like this and Chappie are the only things I've seen where Hugh Jackman's using his real accent. And and yeah. I don't want to watch Chappie again. But I, I, did, I did think Chris yeah. Pine was miscast. Like, he sounds like a... He sounds like a Harrison Ford movie star and he's supposed to be this vulnerable kid. Like, it should have been someone younger, in my opinion. But whatever. <laughs> it's not it's not a huge deal. Because everybody else... Jude Law is amazing in it. Like, uh... God, I really liked him in this film. But Rise of the Guardians, mm -hmm. uh, worth checking out this holiday season, for real. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to give a shout-out to the director, Peter Ramsey, who is the first black person to direct a big-budget animated film. Yeah. And then he oh, went on nice. and co-directed uh, Into the Spider-Verse, mm -hmm. which is fucking rad. And everyone connected to it in any way gets a pass for me forever. And yes, m let's remember, my movie <laughs> The Decade, and Diana voted on it. Um, I totally agree. The movie's amazing. <clears throat> Okay, moving on to television of 2012. Odd time. Uh, Elmo, puppeteer Kevin Clash, resigns from Sesame Street's amid allegations of sexually abusing underage boys. This was weird, because it was also a Pee Wee Herman situation. They shoot so far ahead 
they had two years of Elmo content. So he didn't disappear for children. And he's obviously been recast and sounds very similar. But I remember it was Henry that, that sort of like was talking to him about the documentary being Elmo that came out one year beforehand. And it is sort of the tragic story of the way he, it's the first gay black Muppeteer, but he's not comfortable coming out yet. And because he wasn't comfortable coming out, I believe these allegations were bullshit as far as I know, but he was. Uh, I'm not sure I would call them bullshit. Looking into this, mm -hmm. the big issue is that they waited too long to file a lawsuit. Mm. And that can happen a lot when people are molested under the age of 18. They take time to process it. And there's actually, you know, limits. You know, we well, do is, have statue of limitations and they just miss those statues of limitations. I, I'm, I'm not here to challenge any victim story. I really am not. But what I remember reading about it at the time, because he wasn't out, that made him vulnerable to certain kinds of blackmail. Because um, he has a whole documentary about him where his, his sexuality is not mentioned at all. It ends at his daughter's, his daughter's birthday party. So he's got a kid. Um, and it, I... He, he, I think he stepped aside for the sake of Sesame Street. Why bring this pressure on Sesame Street? But I do like he's still working with the Jim Henson crew. If you watch the Happy Land murders, he's a big part of that because he's a talented, immensely talented puppeteer and a great vocal actor. Um, far more than just Elmo, for real. Kevin Clash has done a lot. Uh, remember Muppets Tonight? And it was hosted by that squid looking dude? That is Elmo. That is, oh yeah, a cool catfish. That is, yes, cool, cool black catfish. <laughs> that is also Kevin Clash. Seems like a nice dude. I, I again, I I'm not sure what the authenticity of the allegation. That's just what I remember reading at some point. But yeah, uh, it looks like they were dismissed because they were past the statute of the limitations. Well, that doesn't um, bode well. And, for and they were not. Part. And those were civil suits, I think. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it sounds like they were teenagers, 15, 16, and uh, he was in his 40s. So it's mm -hmm. um, yeah. not cool. I'm not not, yeah. not defending not, that. Not cool. It's Finding out they're teenagers makes me feel that tiny bit better because Elmo is so beloved by tiny children. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Like, oh, God. Okay. This, this is separate from your job. This is se separate from Jim will fix it. <laughs> uh, Using yeah, your job exactly. to molest oh, vulnerable people. Oh, God. That guy. Right. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm depressed. Uh, yeah. Even more depressing. iCarly ends on Nickelodeon, which I wouldn't uh, know why? that that exists except our office got sent a Game Boy Advance game of iCarly, and that's all. We know. So I would say this was the most popular show on Nickelodeon when it was on. Really? It was all about a girl who goes on a YouTube-like site, and then she creates her own web show. And that's the series. It's a young web celebrity, quote unquote, having wacky adventures on the internet and in real life at the same time. Oh, wacky. Jesus. And then, yeah, speaking of uh, underage stuff, it's a Dan Schneider show. Jesus Christ. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm impressed. How about, how about, uh, don't look into it. It'll, okay. <laughs> it'll just depress it'll you. Depress shows, shows you've never yep. watched and trauma you've, Thankfully, didn't have to experience yourself. Uh, it, it's Christmas, comma, Carol. It's a Hallmark movie with Carrie Fisher in it. 
Oh. Yeah, this is the uh, the billionth uh, remake of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Only <laughs> the uh, the twist is that the girl's name is Carol. And uh, ah. but yeah, yeah, it does have Carrie Fisher in it, who is an absolute gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, she appears as the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, oh, hey. uh, <laughs> because of budget cuts in the afterlife. <laughs> See, I was hoping that she would be the Scrooge and that the ghost would appear. She would uh, smoke and yell at them and then pop like three Ambien and go back to bed and they wouldn't be able to talk to her anymore. That would be a great one. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, they had a great script doctor working on the movie if they if they needed a punch up. <laughs> um, and this is when we would tell you about a bunch of games. But if, as we teased earlier in the episode... The Wii U is launched this week. Uh, I I love hating the system. 29 games. 29 wow. launch games. So instead yeah. of boring Diana with details on every single one of those, we grabbed our, our buddy Steve Guntley, who you may have heard on uh, the Chucky series, but Wii Universe, and they've been going through every <laughs> misbegotten, forgotten game on the Wii U, and they're about to wrap up their show. So he has a really good perspective on what the system did weird, well, and terrible. Um, and I have a lot of opinions too. Uh, I hated that system, so I love being able to shit on it for an hour and change. And I, I thought it was an okay system. Um, it had its issues, and we will get in depth on the bonus episode if you want to hear what those are. Yes. So, well, I, I was on the episode of We Universe talking about Epic Mickey Two, the pow- Epic Epic Mickey Two, the Power of Two, a pretty Which... bad sequel to Epic Mickey. Which didn't just come out on the Wii U. It came out on the PS3, Xbox 360, and uh, and Windows. Um, So I wish I loved the Epic Mini series. I find the concept art of Epic Mini to be so fascinating. I find the idea of Epic Mini so fascinating. I wish Disney had the cojones to make a huge, big-budget epic mini movie where he travels throughout all his I think they should make a sequel called Epic Mini. (laughs) Sure. I do that. Play around with that. The problem is that awesome concept of exploring who Mickey is, how he got where he is today, is trapped in such a mediocre gameplay that I just I've tried to pick it up a couple times never advanced past like level one it's just like well this if, you, if you're fun. looking for it it's a game about discarded disneyana and i thought that would be something that would have more appeal and it's just that like the concept art is so much better than the fucking not anyway anyway i give it because epic mickey power of illusion is released on 3ds and that is a 2d game sort of based on the genesis series and that's i play the shit out of that i beat that that's a great, a great game. That's that's a perfectly enjoyable 2D side scroller mm-hmm. game. Beautiful graphics, uh, and it goes to you know Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, anything you'd want from a 2D angle. Disney game. It, it's just ensemble, mm-hmm. the whole Disney crew, Mickey's fighting with and against. Cool. Uh, also, a decent 3DS game. Uh, Adventure Time. Great title. Hey, Ice King, why'd you steal our garbage? Uh, that, <laughs> is, that, is that the way forward one? I. I had no knowledge of Adventure Time when the when I saw this in the game store ten years ago, but I was like so intrigued by that title. Yeah. I was just like, 
well, why did he steal our garbage? <laughs> and uh, it's made by Way Forward, and I, I can't remember. Is this the one that was like Zelda two esque? It, it's it, it's interesting. It's an interesting game. Uh, almost an interesting game. Family Guy: Back to the Multiverse on um, Windows, PS three, and Xbox three sixty. Third person shooter with the Family Guy people. Not a great so. game, but like I still get a kick out of like you know they're just like hours more Family Guy content in this <laughs> almost serviceable video game. And, and more notable than anything, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale on PS3 and PS Vita uh, is out this week. So Sony's answer to Super Smash Brothers. Let's yeah, bring in here, all of our mascot characters and have them fight. Here's my thing. Super Smash Brothers is a hit every time it comes out. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best-selling games of the year every time it comes out. No other company has ever been able to have a super successful mascot fighting game. So, Diana, can you imagine if there was like a genre of romantic comedies, okay, and only one studio ever made a successful romantic comedy? (laughs) Everyone else just failed miserably at it. But that one studio every five years makes like one of the best romantic comedies of all time and everyone loves it. Uh, I would I would speculate it's partially due to the incongruity of all these characters. The guy from Dead Space beating up Parappa the Rappa is weird. <laughs> and, and But Nintendo, there's a uniform Nintendo-ness to all these characters. You know, this is not a lethal fight. So when you bring in Kratos, the most murderous character of all time, <laughs> to fight Sackboy, like it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I agree with. Well, you, I'm, I'm just Chris. saying, Sony, I mean, Sony's is, N- Nintendo, you know, Nintendo's job. Samus is a bounty hunter. It's true. That's the one exception. Metroids, which are xenomorphs with the numbers. It's the one exception. But I know kids who are like five, and I show them like Mario, and they just say Pokemon because it like he could easily slide into the Pokemon universe because they're all kind of cute and inoffensive. Whereas Sony's job is to make this console that appeals to everybody with all these different gameplay types. So maybe the people playing Fat Princess aren't the people playing Devil May Cry or Killzone. Maybe they they won't. It's not this special thing to put all these characters together in one game. That's because it wasn't a bad game. Obviously, it wasn't a competitive fighting game, but it just was relatively ignored. Yeah, despite I, like yes, but you also throw in Solid Snake yeah. and Bayonetta, and I I don't know. I feel Ratchet like Clanks, like Cooper. It's it's a great. Look at Sony's legacy. Oh, and, and if you haven't played the new God of War, a very serious God of War, they canonized PlayStation All-Stars by asking him, did you really once fight a princess? Uh, it starts describing PlayStation Battle Royale. <laughs> if you haven't played that game yet, there are poems that describe PlayStation games. And Kratos says he doesn't want to talk about it, but there is a moment in the game where they canonize PlayStation All-Stars to the rescue and then God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> Anyway, we got to move on uh, to wrapping up the show. Got to tell you to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. We'll talk way more about the Wii U uh, and in depth about the consoles. It's, it's weirdness. It's, oh, I hated it. I hate it. It's my least favorite Nintendo console ever. Uh, love, to- love shitting on it. Uh, Steve Guntley of Wii Universe, big shout out to him. Check that out if you want a really, really, really great look, uh, insight into the Wii, the Wii U, which not many people have done because no one's really nostalgic for it. It was kind of a failure. Uh, and Wii Universe, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thank you, Steve. Patreon.com slash later time, five bucks. I don't want to plug it anymore. Just thank you, everyone who, who supports us. We really do appreciate it. Diana, where can people find you? Oh, oh, oh in Video Game Apocalypse this week, I believe we'll be doing something Wii U related as well, in addition to talking about God of War. 
I think I found one of my games of the year, and it, that isn't God of War. Very excited to talk about it. Dai, where can people find you? He can find me on the internet at, or they can find me on the Twitter at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast for as long as that stays going. Next week, we got some big stuff coming up. We've got a whole pile of animated movies. So, mm-hmm. Chris, stretch, stretch out. Get ready. I mean, one of them is one I watch like three times a year. I don't, shouldn't be a problem. Treasure Planet? I do love, I almost bought a Treasure Planet <laughs> ornament this weekend. Yes. Love yeah, Treasure so Planet. we're taking it. Uh, Dizzy's like one of their last stabs at traditional animation. Two. The only Hanukkah movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, two of the weirdest sequels to uh, popular Christmas specials that are relatively forgotten. Oh, yeah, that's true. On top of that, with animated stuff, we have... Um, I think my favorite Disney movie, animated movie of all time, period. End of story. That's what um, I said. Wow. Two, two, two. Going there. Me too. Two, two, two of the movies in the 1992 segment are the one and two highest grossing movies of the year. One after movie. the other. I think this might be the only movie I've seen three times in the theaters. Wow. Because I saw it, was like, holy shit, that was great, and ended up like bringing other people, like, let's watch this again because all the jokes are going over kids' heads because it's Robin Williams. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> if that weren't enough, I got two more I gotta I gotta talk about. We also are going to talk about the best we're well again we're going to talk about the best-selling soundtrack of all time period Mm -hmm. by quite a lot and the movie that came from and then deep breath everyone we're talking about the crying game Mm. let's see how that aged (sighs) Uh, uh, i've seen it so many times i'm very anxious about revisiting it i don't know (laughs) let's do it that's what this show is for you're right you're right if anything that should be on the top of the revisit list because it deserves modern contextualization and you know, uh, wait, wait, Jr. Where can folks still find you on social media? Or are we no, going back to the dark? I am taking a sabbatical. You cannot contact me. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's it. I don't know what to tell you. Don't contact me. Um, uh, it, but hopefully, you'll be getting up to some interesting stuff. I think you should play more video games during this period. Uh, and and uh, before we go, we got to tell you who died and who lived during this period of. I, I don't even want to talk about the first one. Because it's it hurts me for so many reasons. Oh yeah, sorry. Nineteen ninety two is when we lost Sterling Holloway, who was eighty seven. He mm-hmm. was in movies going back to the twenties, yep. and if you don't know that name, you know that voice. He yep. is the Cheshire Cat. He is Ka in the Jungle Book, oh, and he is Winnie the Damn Pooh. Oh, Winnie the Pooh. He's the Stork in Dumbo. It, one of my favorite cartoons ever. He's the narrator for Lambert the Sheepish Lion. Holy. And the biggest tragedy, I'm right, get vaccinated. <clears throat> I had COVID. I have not been able to do my Winnie the Pooh impression since then. Oh, Still can't. I, it hurts. It hurts oh, me. Oh, bother. I know. Oh, bother indeed. Uh, but I love, it's just one of the most unforgettable, like distinctive voice actors. And he didn't really change it up that much, but Disney loved him. And one yeah. of my favorite things he's done, most underrated Disney shorts of all time. I got a mm. pin last time I was in Disney World of him. Humphrey the Bear. He's a bear. I think he scrapped with Donald one time. He's only got three cartoons. They are fucking hysterical, and he's the ranger in him. If you remember the uh, ranger giving the bear sticks to clean up trash, and they do a dance. I don't know. If Disney Channel kids may remember it. Great cartoons. They are on Disney+. Plus. Uh, watch the Lambert the Sheepish Lion. Who else yeah. is dead? Sorry. I, uh, uh, if you Holloway. Also, <laughs> look up Sterling Holloway. 
he is one of the goofy looking motherfuckers. He's yeah. the, the farthest that you think of uh, the voice of Winnie the Pooh is going to look. He looks like a pencil neck geek with weird he, hair. He looks he looks like a magician for some reason. He, <laughs> Yeah, oh, but it was a bad week for in 1992. We lost Ray uh, Roy Acuff, who's 89. That was the king of country music. He mm. is one of the most important figures in early to modern country music period. Again, we're talking about like the 30s. Right. Then in 2002, it's when we lost James Coburn, who is 74. Love He's that guy. in the Magnificent Seven and the Great Escape, motherfuckers. And also, duck you sucker. <laughs> Duck you sucker, <laughs> aka Fistful of Dynamite. Mm -hmm. Also, our man Flint, which if you like any of the Austin Powers movies, you need to check out the Flint movies. Oh, and Affliction so cool. is sadistic as fuck. And he's so uh, scary. He, he, like he really looks to me like the disapproving dad I've never had. That, mm. That's how James just a fucking square jawed conservative. He's a great gruff Western character villain. Love this dude. Love James. Yeah. Goldman. Oh, he aged into craggy so mm -hmm. well. It's like him versus Nick Nolte. Who's craggier? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> in 2012, they keep coming. In 2012 is when we lost, lost Hector Macho Camacho, oh, no. who was a world champion boxer in three different weight classes. What? He kept putting on weight. He started at super featherweight. So he's a little guy. And then it started moving up the weight classes into, yeah. into junior welterweight and uh, a lightweight. Um, yeah, he was murdered in what might have been a botched carjacking in Puerto Rico. And again, literally this year, they just announced like, oh, yeah, we figured out who did it. But they're all already in prison for other things. So never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, Hector Camacho was murdered. And that sucks. He's not to and be then... confused with the president in idiocracy. No, okay. probably based on him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He was a pretty flamboyant fighter. Anyway, uh, and then finally... We lost Larry Hagman, who's mm -hmm. 81. We'll never know who shot JR now. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. Uh, it was leukemia, it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> he 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 knew he was going, and he he's one of those. He really tried to work to the last fucking day on the, <laughs> the reboot of Dallas. And I, yeah, I really respect that. I'm just like, no, I got to keep going, man. I can't just sit at home feeling sorry for myself. Let's do this. Come mm -hmm. on. All right. With the deaths out of the way, we must get to the rebirth or just regular burst with the. B -b -b birthday quiz. Dominating. I'm on a roll. I think. Wait, did I keep, right. keep going? I think you might have just barely beat me yes, last time. So yes, I buzzed in a little faster. Let's try. All right. Originally born with the name of Destiny Hope. What? On November 23rd, 1992. I know that sounds like a like, stage name. Yeah. That is not her stage name. Yeah, maybe I don't want to be a stripper, I mom. I think I might know that. Do you? Do you want to go? Give a hint, and so so oh. the audience can play along. Is it Miley Cyrus? It is Miley no Cyrus. Way. Indeed. No way! Yes. No fucking way! That what? Yes, I remember finding out that Miley is not her real name, but she was nicknamed Smiley, and that became Miley. And seeing that her real name was something that was like, that's too cheesy. Don't be that. Oh my yeah. God! Henry Cyrus game. really is a hack. <laughs> and now appearing on stage at the Sapphire Lounge, give it up for Destiny, Destiny Hope. Hope. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, she was a teen idol while appearing on Hannah Montana. Albums I wouldn't have mentioned because they give it all away is Meet Miley Cyrus. <laughs> uh, I would have brought up Breakout, Bangers, Can't Be Tamed. Uh, she holds... 
the record for most number of top five albums in the 21st century by a female artist. Wow, what? 13 Ooh. entries. Wow. Dang. Uh, uh, she's appeared in the movies Big Fish, Hannah Montana, Best of Both Worlds, Bolt, Hannah Montana, the movie, LOL, So Undercover, and that's that's all right. the ones. Best of Both Worlds is the concert wow. film where she sings as Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why do wow. I know this? And she's and she's born the week that Home Alone yep. 2 came out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I I had considered a different person for the birthday mm-hmm. quiz. All right. You, uh, this is an official bonus. Well, yeah, yeah, not? Man. Okay. Okay. Turning 80 years old exactly. Oh. Born November 20th, 1942. Raised in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Joe Biden. His it is both Joe Biden. <laughs> I, I, I was going to mention Parks his and Rec. appearance on uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego really? in 1988. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, Parks and Recreation. Hell yeah. Shit. Those Joe Biden's listed, 80? Redeemed. Yeah, 80 years old. It's our Those oldest are president. listed as acting credits on IMDb. So he's he's playing... Uh, I got my SAG card. In, yeah, <laughs> he might. And he was also in uh, Law and Order Special Victim Unit. What? It's, mm-hmm. That's what it says. Oh, so. yep. I'm playing the killer. I can't do a good Joe Biden. Fuck it. Thank huh, you, guys. We, we have, it's a rematch of the 2020 election this episode. We got Trump and we got Biden. Oh, well, nice. We somehow we worked them both in. My favorite headline from 2020 was... Uh, Star of Home Alone 2 replaced by star of Parks and Recreation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a fun one. Been a long one. Uh, and uh, even more classics coming down the pipeline. Patreon.com slash later time. We're going to close out with what, Diana? Well, just because there was so much music out of 2002, I thought we might as well go with some Flight of the Concords. And Hell that's yeah. tough because that's a live album. And so those don't translate as well, except there is a demo version of a later song that they use because mm-hmm. we have a whole bunch of Lord of the Rings coming up. Yep. So I thought we should go with Frodo by Flight of the Concords. I nice. may not have won the masturbation contest, but boy, have I tantrically withheld myself from watching Two Towers, which I've wanted to do <laughs> after the credits for Fellowship rolled last year on 302010. I'm just... Really had to, to fight myself on that. I want to watch it so bad. I cannot wait. Oh, love Lord of the Rings. Uh, pretty interesting enough, one, one and a half episodes in the Amazon series. That's all I've seen. Uh, anyway. Uh, I saw three and I gave up on it. And if you like it, that's fine. You're not a bad person. It doesn't ruin anything. It was not. I gave it the running time of fellowship and it didn't interest me in the slightest. Ugh. Fair enough. I thought it was all right. It's slow. Someday we may talk about it. Patreon.com slash Uh Brit, uh, Jermaine, take us out. <laughs> Yo, Frodo, what you wearing? Oh, powerful jewelry? Is that your new thing? I know it's hard when you're little, roll the trees, but fall, little ass, so close to the floor. Try to leave the fellows from the gates of Mordor, the fellowship. I don't rap about bitches and hoes. I rap about witches and trolls. Passing up the words of the Elf King. Wisdom, Frodo.